Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, Winnipeg? Let's get after it today. All fired up. We've got a massive show for you over the next couple hours here on today's Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And a great night of sports last night. Obviously, the NHL playoffs had a lot going on. The Manitoba Moose survived to see another day. That day will be Friday. And the Winnipeg Ice get a big win in Moose John or one win away from moving on to take on the Edmonton Oil Kings. We also have MJHL champions after Game 7 action last night in Steinbach. Bomber rookies getting going down at the, uh, the field. And, of course, the Gold Eyes open their season tomorrow down at Shaw Park as well. There is lots to get to today, and we are packed. Of course, we had the draft lottery a couple days ago. Shane Malloy of Hockey Prospect Radio is going to join us to you know, give us the lay of the land going in. And we'll ask him about Matt Savoy of the Winnipeg Ice, who, along with Connor Geeky, is one of the top North American skater prospects for the draft. And Matt Savoy will join us a little later on in the program as well. Talk about the playoffs so far, his season, his draft year, and a look ahead to tomorrow night at the Ice Cave. Of course, we will get into the Moose's big win last night as well. And very much looking forward to having Morgan Barron of the Manitoba Moose join us. Sort of funny. We had scheduled to have Morgan on shortly after he was traded. And um, that was the day he got called up to the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll uh, meet one of the newest members of the organization for the first time here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hear about his year. Talk about last night's game and the focus of the club going into another do-or-die situation at Canada Life Center tomorrow. Uh, Thursday, it's about time for a visit from Brandon Rewicki. We'll uh, discuss the Stanley Cup playoffs, get his thoughts on uh, the potential of Barry Trotz coming back to Manitoba, as well as the Jets' head coaching search overall if Trotz decides not to come home. Um, so it should be great. Shane Malloy of Hockey Prospect Radio, Brandon Rewicki, talking Jets and all the other local spots, uh, local stories. And then Morgan Barron and Matt Savoy, we are packed. Uh, first things first, want to thank all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, oh, Remus, speaking of Cool Bet Canada, the picks were hot yesterday. Gave out that parlay at the end of the program, cashed it. Manitoba Moose cashed it. And a couple live bets on the Flames as well. A uh, great night overall on the Cool Bet account, but more importantly, just a great sports night. And uh, the Manitoba Moose, I guess we could start off there. A huge comeback win. Wasn't looking too good. Down 2 nothing after the first period, and down 1 nothing before people basically got in their seats. Uh, but, man, the resiliency that that team showed coming back, dominating the final 40 minutes. And uh, we will have playoff hockey at Canada Life Centre coming up on Friday. What's up? Just give me one sec. I just realized my camera is not working. So, uh, I mean, I'm here, but I'm just invisible. So, hold hold on. I got to I gotta <laughs> do an unplug, replug. One sec. Oh, geez. We've just got your beautiful background there. And... Uh, just, you know, basically just looks like you've left the remote control on some of your jerseys right by your home run championship derby title, which as, and we'll maybe reach out to AC Andrew Collier from the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Uh, looking forward to getting Rick Forney on as well in and around the start of the season. And yeah, tomorrow, 
6.30 p.m. And listen, we'll get to the moose and we'll talk about it with Remus in a second. But I guess first things first, let's give some love to the champs. Shout out to the Dolphin Kings who won their first MJHL championship, I believe eight years last night, beating the Steinbach Pistons in a thriller in Steinbach, a 2-1 victory for the Kings uh, in, in a series that, as we laid out yesterday, was about as close as possible. I mean, one team would do something in one game, the other team would come right back and do it again. So uh, just an amazing playoff uh, for the entire league, uh, an unbelievable final series that went the distance. Uh, great crowds in both Dauphin and Steinbach, and um, great to see the Manitoba Junior Hockey League thriving. And um, again, congratulations to the Dauphin Kings. We spent a lot of time talking about Dauphin this week, but it's more because one of their most famous um, expats, <laughs> Barry Trotz, this year. But uh, got to give some love to the Dauphin Kings. But uh, Remo, of course, we were all fired up for that Moose game last night. Got a chance to see the Fink and uh, Derek Meach do their thing on TSN3. As I mentioned to Dan, I wished him well, but I would not be listening or watching him because I was at the game. Nice crowd of about 5,000. I imagine that will go up for Friday's game number four heading into the weekend. Uh, but the bottom line is this team was down 2 nothing, facing elimination after the first period. And, uh, man, everybody chipped in coming back for a huge moose win and uh, getting a little bit of momentum heading into the weekend and hopefully forcing a deciding game five on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I watched it on TSN. I wanted to see what does a TSN, you know, moose broadcast look like. And I was really impressed, um, you know, with everything we had Dan and uh, Derek Meach doing play-by-play -play and, co and uh, color analysts. Thought they were great. Intermission with Jamie Thomas, Austin Siragusa. They, you know, tweeted out a picture of uh, the desk that they had. So um, I thought very well done uh, graphics and everything. So it was pretty, uh, pretty cool broadcast. As far as the game goes, man, tough start. Uh, Cody Glass back from the Predators, and he came and scored like first shift, and they were all ready to go. So. So, something's, uh, something's what, gone on the YouTube thing. Yeah, um, so I'm having internet issues. Sorry, I'm trying to ignore it. But yeah, I'm having internet issues. It keeps disconnecting, reconnecting. We should, we should be good here. Oh, okay. So I, if, see, I anyone, see everybody back. Anyone on the podcast, um, they're not going to have issues, so we can just keep going. But I guess, I don't know what's, going, what's up with my internet. Um, uh, oh, well. Anyways, so yeah, they got down one nothing. Blame like, Bell. Blame yeah, Bell. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no, we're down one nothing. This is not an ideal start. I mean, you get scored on right away. Then it was two nothing. Hainala stripped of the puck in his own end. Uh, guy goes all, in all alone and scores. You're like, yikes, man. I, this can't end like this. They had such a great season. And second period, I don't know what was said in the dressing room or if they were doing shots of Red Bull. They came out and looked like the Moose team that uh, that couldn't score in games one and two, but were able to put some pucks back the net. Morgan Barron, huge slapper. Jeff Malott, again, the a Cornell nice shot. boys. Yeah, nice shot. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Leon Gavanka with the game winner on the power play. So there, there you go. 3-2, um, and then, you know, they tacked on a couple more in the third period. So it seemed like a great atmosphere. At Canada Life Center, as you said, I know you were rocking uh, your jersey there. Yeah, so. I got a lot of love for the jersey. And one of the things I love, especially around Moose playoffs, I mean, let's face it, the Moose does in this city date back to 1996, with the you know exception of those first couple of years where um, you know the team was away when the Winnipeg Jets came back. The amount of different Moose jerseys we saw at the games last night was wild because I mean they've done. You know, the incredible indigenous jersey. They've done uh, military jerseys before. They've done the autism awareness jerseys. 
and then of course you've got some old school ones. I had the uh, the IHL green. Oh, Brian man. Chapman jersey last Whoa. night on Remus, and this the was OG. before Chapman was even the captain of the team. He was just wearing the A. I was trying to date it last night. I'm gonna think that this was the '98 '99 season. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Is game worn. Two thousand. Yeah, game worn as you well. Got, you got a photo match to uh, card or what? Uh, I haven't done that. I mean, that's sort of your department. But if you would like to do that, I could send you, you know, some pictures. And you know I'm sure which we could game, check it out. You know which game it was worn in? Did they give you that or, or didn't keep that big of a catalog back then? I'm not yeah, a big uh, game worn guy, but they're like, oh, if you try to sell it, oh, photo match right here. You can see this, the pock mark. That is the jersey. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone that far. As I said, I wouldn't be looking to uh, move on. These are some great memories of times with the moose back in the day. And to be honest, it sort of reminded me of, um, you know, some of those days back in the day before the Winnipeg Jets came back where, you know, there was real excitement about the team. And, you know, it, it, it is interesting because the fan base of the moose and Jets, if, you know, if it was a Venn diagram, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that follow both clubs. Uh, but there's a lot of passionate Moose fans that might not get to very many Jet games. They were out last night, as well as a number of Jet fans and some folks that I've seen that hadn't been to Moose games before, but were interested to see so many of these Winnipeg Jet prospects, especially on the blue line. And you mentioned Billy Hainon. He's a guy that I, I think if you're a, if you're a Jet fan and you kind of go there, you expect him to stand out. And, well, listen, he did stand out. He had some great plays later on in the game, uh, but he did have that gaffe in the first period where essentially, I mean, you know, just a bad turnover. Or maybe it was, we'll give the credit to the Milwaukee player that, you know, essentially pickpocketed him, trying to break out of his own zone and quickly moved it over to a teammate to put in the 2 nothing, uh, 2 nothing lead. But for all the talk that we've had about Dylan Sandberg and Vili and Johnny Kovacevic this year and Declan Chisholm, the guy that stood out to me the most last night from the blue line was Leon Gavanka, the young German. And, um, you know, Gavanka got in on the scoring, Remus, but I think what really uh, won over the crowd and his teammates was in the third period as they were looking to defend their lead. Um, an Eric Tangrady-like shift, maybe not quite the three or four shot blocks in a row, but two heavy shot blocks taken by the defenseman, helping out his goaltender, Mikhail Burden. And uh, it just goes to show this, um, you know, it, it's time to leave it all out there right now. The Moose did exactly that. And uh, we'll talk to Morgan Barron about this later on, but I imagine they're feeling quite well uh, about themselves and probably pretty confident going into Friday night, considering the way they played Milwaukee for these first three games of the series. Yeah, you know that they liked their game in games one and two. They were feeling confident. I, I mean, I wonder what it was like at the bench after the first period when you're down 2-0. Uh, it seems like they still had that belief, still had that confidence. And if you're going to be down 2-0, thankfully you got you know two more periods to go. Game. You know, it doesn't end, you know, first to two. So, they're, you know, they, you know, able to stick to their game and, you know, capitalize on a couple power plays there, Gavanka and Barron. And that, I think, you know, we've heard about this defense um, that's been pretty deep. I mean, how many guys on the Moose uh, have played in the NHL this year? Um, it's been pretty incredible. Morgan Barron, you know, uh, who... Well, I mean, all four of those yeah, defensemen that I mentioned, defensive. and that's why it was interesting that it was Leon Gavanka, the one guy that actually didn't get the call-up this year, that you know, really sort of stood out last night. But that has been a calling card of the Moose all season long. Four lines and a real deep blue line and everybody chipping in. And, you know, I thought Mikhail Burden as well, who's been, you know, somewhat shaky at times over the course of this season. 
um, you know, and certainly didn't have the numbers that he would have liked in the first couple games and, you know, being out dueled by Cooley on the other side of things. Um, you know, he was, he was on it in the second and third period. And, uh, there was also almost the moment up 5-2 late in the game. Milwaukee pulled the goaltender with about three minutes left, and you know what Burden was thinking. And he got one up in the air, and the Milwaukee defenseman got it with his hand on about their own blue line before it went in the net. And that would have been phenomenal. That's the one thing. I mean, I don't know. I've been to thousands of games in my life. Mm-hmm. The one thing I've never seen in person is a goalie goal. And... Uh, Burden would be at the top of my list, given the opportunity to actually make it happen. And uh, he went for it last Ooh. night with a three goal lead late in the game. I'm trying to think of, of and I definitely have never seen a goalie goal. I don't think I've ever seen a no hitter in a baseball game. Um, yeah, goalie goal. That would be crazy to see. I'd imagine people would be going absolutely bonkers. Oh, the, the uh, buzz, that. the buzz in the crowd when just he got it on the stick. And I mean, certainly people, especially regular Bruce fans, knew exactly what was yeah. coming at the time. and. He got it up. It was basically, let me put it in NFL terms. He got it up in the air, but it was more like a Tua pass. He needed a Mahomes. He needed to get a little (laughs) bit more air underneath him, although straight. Um, So under threw it a little bit. It got taken down. But hey, big win for for the Manitoba Moose. Friday is Saturday night. Or sorry, Friday. Friday is game number four. Sunday afternoon will game number five. And I mean, uh, and I mentioned this coming in. I mean, Friday night, tomorrow night, Remus. I mean, some major decisions Big. for Winnipeg sports fans. I mean, are you going to go see the ice finish off Moose Jaw at the ice cave? Are you going to see the Moose hopefully force a deciding game five? Or are you going to head down to the ballpark for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes home opener? I mean, I know we're missing the Jets in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now, but uh, holy smokes, is there a lot of other things going on in and around to uh, keep our attentions on the local scene. Yeah, wow, this is crazy time of year. You know, you got the playoffs as well. Number of games last night, but also local with the ice Friday looking to clinch and the moose as well, looking to extend uh, the series to a you know game five and gold eyes underway. I mean, seemed like the snow was here a week ago. Now it's all melted. It's hot out. I just finally got my winter tires, uh, winter tires <laughs> taken off and uh, we're ready to go. It's baseball season. I saw they did tweet out or post on Instagram a picture of all the beer bats that have arrived. The beer so bats I, are in. Yeah. I'm nervous Crap about your corner is ready for yeah. you folks and I'm ready ner- for us. I'm nervous about the logistics of drinking out of a beer bed. You know, normally you have a cup like, I mean, you need a lot of clearance to go like to drink it. So, uh, you know, you got to have like six people, six feet apart. Got to be careful. No, it's all part of social distancing. That's yeah. the way things are beer in this bat, decade yeah, beer, right now. Beer bats are here to encourage. <laughs> Please stay dish. two beer bats away. Give yeah. everyone enough room to uh, to have it going on. Uh, and just looking at the weather for tomorrow, it says it's going to be 14 degrees and mainly cloudy. Oh, unfortunately, we've got this stupid special weather, weather statement coming in. And for those of us in the city, it would be more of a nuisance. For people outside the city, this is some serious, um, serious business because we know how close many of the communities in and around southern Manitoba are uh, to flooding. So we'll cross our fingers. Hopefully it won't be as bad as some of the worst case scenarios are and hopefully everyone can stay dry and hopefully won't be sandbagging or pulling stuff out of their uh, their homes. Um, um, you know, it's just been a ridiculous month weather-wise, um, you know, considering how dry things were at the end of the year. If you told me this is what we'd be dealing with right now, I would have thought that was impossible, but apparently not thanks to Mother Nature. 
Um, Shane Malloy, as I mentioned, is going to come up in about 10 minutes, Reem, and we'll talk more about the NHL draft prospects, but let's get to the NHL last night. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, the Rangers live to see another day. They got a big win, but the big story coming out of that was uh, Jacob Truba taking out Sidney Crosby. And listen, Truba's been a bit, I don't want to call him a headhunter. He's been a mercenary when it comes to hits. He's had some of the biggest hits in the league this year and has sent some guys flat on their back to the dressing room. This one, I mean, from my perspective, I don't think it was a really malicious hit. You could see he was trying to get the stick first and it was just a little bit more awkward. Bottom line is, though, very concerning for Sidney Crosby. Anything to do with the head, considering his concussion history, I think is, uh, you know, makes people in Pittsburgh nervous, but I think hockey fans in general. And it's even more disappointing because of just how brilliant he's been in this first round. You can make an argument, and we talked about it yesterday, he might be the best player in the first round of the playoffs so far. If he's not able to continue in this series, a massive blow to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are one win away from moving on to the second round. Yeah, credit to you. I thought the Rangers were done, you know, down 3-1, but at home they were able to come back as uh, as favorites. So shows the odds makers, um, no more than me, but maybe they were aided by the Jacob Truba hit on Crosby, knocking him out. No supplemental discipline, not suspended. I was kind of surprised at first, you know, considering Darnell Nurse had a head hit on, or a head butt, on Deno. <laughs> that was and, a no-brainer, hey, though. I mean, they couldn't hey, not suspend Nurse. He didn't get injured. Usually they say, hey, there's an injury, we're suspending. So I thought, you know, Crosby, concussion. I thought the rule was you don't, you know, you don't get Crosby. Isn't that a league-wide rule? They should put that in. Uh, horrible to see. But I looked at the head over and over. Frank Saravalli had it on his Twitter. So he goes for the stick, as you said, you know, stick on, on Puck. And he goes for the hit. And it from a, there's an alternate angle where it all, you know you see the elbow come up, but I don't even know if the elbow does hit him in the head. It might have just been from whiplash. And we've seen Truba, you know, do these hard hits. I would see him in Winnipeg when he was here try to line guys up, and you know, it looked like people were in for a world of pain. But he would miss frequently. But he's not missing this year. He connected on McKinnon earlier. There's been some big ones, and he's usually pretty, you know, technically sound, hitting guys shoulder to chest. It looked like the elbow got up, but I don't think it did. I think I think he hit him in the shoulder and Crosby's head snapped back. And if there wasn't, you know, direct head contact and he's got a concussion from that and had to leave, that's that's kind of scary for him, for one of the, the best players. So, uh, I mean, he's been awesome and he's kind of overlooked all year. I mean, you, you didn't hear him in the Hart Trophy conversation, but, I mean, if they blow this series, I mean, that without Crosby now, I'll be... And that's that's a huge well, loss. Well, and, and let's face it. I mean, this Pittsburgh, uh, listen, I won't call it a dynasty, but in, in some ways, I mean, the last 10 dozen years, let's say, of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey, well, even more dating back to 09, we'll call it 15 years, basically the Crosby era, um, you know, has been more than Crosby. You've had Evgeny Malkin. You've had Chris Letang. Both of those players are unrestricted free agents at the end of the year, as is Brian Rust. So, I mean, I imagine that the Penguins will do everything they can to you know, try to maintain that core going forward. But there is the possibility that this is sort of the end of the Pittsburgh Penguins as we know it. And you know, if it were to end with Sidney Crosby on the shelf dealing with concussion issues, that would be an absolute shame. Um, we're still waiting on more clarity as to what his, and we probably won't get it until game six, to be honest with you. We know how tight everybody is with information at this point. 
Um, but you know, if you just go on social media amongst actual media figures, I mean, there's some people like Frank and sort of myself that lean towards, you know, an unfortunate result of, uh, you know, of a clean play where he was going for the stick, but there are also other people that saying Jacob Truba should get the electric chair. So that's just a little bit about, uh, about what playoff hockey is right now. And it is a contentious play. And the bottom line is you do have the injury. Uh, but unlike some of the other hits where I'll say this about, uh, about true, but he hits hard, but I really do think that he hits clean. I mean, some of the hits where he really knocked guys out earlier were just absolutely textbook hard hits of guys that, you know, maybe should have put themselves in a bit better position to not be so vulnerable. This one I think was just sort of a, a really unfortunate, I don't want to call it a fluke, but an unfortunate result of a play that, you know, was not malicious. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree. I mean, he tries to hit hard. And, some, you know, when you hit hard, your guys are going to get hurt. So it's uh, it's unfortunate. I, I could see, I thought maybe they would look at it at first, but after watching the replay that Frank showed on his Twitter, uh, wasn't too wasn't too sure if there was actual uh, head contact. So he's going to be reevaluated today. We'll wait and see what happens. I hope he comes back. I hope it's not serious and just precautionary. But, you know, remember, he missed a lot of time, you know, but he took that hit in the Winter Classic um, and was out for a while. So hopefully it's not long-term, but that was definitely the story of, of that game yesterday. And, you know, Florida has to move on to them quick. I mean, they yeah, were down. Well, I thought they Well, were... I was going to say, I mean, I was all proud of myself for my live bet on Calgary. I was at the Moose game, so I wasn't really paying attention to this game. But you want to talk about live betting opportunities. Once again, the Florida Panthers are the comeback cats down three, nothing after two goals by TJ Oshie and one by Justin Schultz, and then five unanswered three in the second period to tie it up. And for Hagee and Giroux, the guys that got it done. And uh, seems like the Panthers are ready to erase that drought that goes back to 1996 Reem. Yes. And they were throwing rats on the ice too. Uh, I like, it feels I, like 96. I love how that lives on Scott Mellenby. Uh, I started thinking about yesterday, killing the rat or the mouse in the dressing room. I don't know if that, I was trying to think if that was like a real story or they just made that up because their team name is the Florida Panthers. I mean, it says a lot about their arena when you got a mouse problem <laughs> in there, but Florida was the, um, Florida was, I mean, they were the President's Trophy winner and they started off pretty slow in the series, but, and even in this game, down three zip, but found a way to come back, Brovsky and goal. I mean, they're so deep, Florida. They have... You know, they run all the all their lines. They're getting contributions up and down the line of Pornkvist, you know, Reinhardt, Verhege, Giroux. And then you have, you know, you don't even see Barkov and Huberto really on the score sheet. So I, if Florida can figure it out, it seems like it's taken them and Calgary a bit since the playoffs, you know, began to, you know, get back into the, the mode that we saw them in the regular season. So um, well done, Panthers. I'd like to see them go on because it would suck. You know, for a team, you know, President's Trophy winner, very disappointing to go out in the first, but full credit to the Capitals as well. I think you have seen these teams that have the playoff experience, like uh, like Pittsburgh, you know, or Washington, who may not have been favored in their series. Um, St. Louis as well, um, you know, come out and, uh, you know, make it uh, closer than other people thought. Exactly. We'll talk about it more with Ricky later on. But as I said, I mean, Florida was two minutes away from being down 3-1 and now find themselves up 3-2. And Carter Verhage, as you mentioned, a five-point night last night. We'll talk about the Flames comeback win a little bit later on. Brandon Rewicki's join us, joining us. Uh, but we're going to get to the draft in just a second. Uh, hey, I want to thank our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I know they're getting ready to open up for their biggest summer 
and busiest summer ever. Uh, there still is a few opportunities, though, for some openings over the course of this year. If you're looking for an amazing, incredible, one-of-a-kind family and friends outing at a five-star fly-in resort, very close to the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the place for you. If you're looking for a corporate outing after two years of Zoom meetings with your staff and clients, think about Aikens as well. Find out more online at AikensLake.com. And you can also find, uh, hit Pit Turan up on Twitter at Aikens Lake for more information. Our friends at Wallace and Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists, serving Winnipeg residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, they've got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it uh, fences, and if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700, Bergie and the boys will come down and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them in person at their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston or check them out online at wallacefences.com. And hey, if you need a suit for the summer, what are you waiting for? Get on down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street and get fitted up. 250 new styles, patterns, and fabrics are in for summer and the guys will get you in a custom suit starting at just $400. If you're in a wedding party or planning on having one, talk to F as well. They're the leaders in Winnipeg for wedding party outfitting, and you'll get a 15% off discount when your wedding party gets your suits from F Apparel. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street or check them out online at F. That's E-P-H Apparel. Com. And just before we bring in Shane Malloy of Hockey Prospect Radio, we'll remind you the Vita Health Fresh Market has won great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And if you can't make it into the store, you can visit their brand new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. But you're going to want to pop by sometime and check out their great lunch options, Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And you can get your barbecue on with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's talk a little draft. We had the lottery earlier this week. Unfortunately, the Jets were in it and not in the playoffs. Uh, but no one we love talking draft with better than Shane Malloy from Hockey Prospect Radio. And Shane joins us now just a couple months away from getting everyone together in Montreal. Shane, how are you? Great to have you back on the program. I'm doing great, Andrew. And look, I can't wait for the draft. We're actually inside of a rink with all the fans and having the teams on the floor and the media up on the risers and just being able to actually enjoy the event because I did not enjoy it over Zoom the last couple of years. It was not fun. So it's it's our end of the year event. And that's where everybody gets together and there's just nobody's really in a little stressful situation. So it's a great opportunity to actually connect and see people and talk to the NHL guys and find out what's really going on. Yeah, man, I'm sure from your perspective, the only thing worse than doing the draft on Zoom is trying to scout on Zoom and scout on video and not get out to games and not have the games to be played. I mean, certainly we're in a much better place than everything that we've been through in the last couple of years. And, you know, what a great way to get back to a real draft, to do it in Montreal and, of course, have the halves on the clock as we speak after winning the lottery, after the most miserable season and the first ever 32nd place finish in National Hockey League history. Well, you know, I think it's going to be great for the Habs fans and it's going to create a, a, a tremendous atmosphere. If anybody's, if you've never been to a game in Montreal, 
it's a great place to go see a game. Uh, the atmosphere around the city and inside the rink, they do it right. So, and talking about right, obviously I expect him to be the first overall pick. So it's going to, it's going to add some additional buzz when the team that's hosting is the first overall pick. So, but your guys' focus is all on the Winnipeg Jets. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do. And based on, you know, what I've seen over the last five or six years, I have an inkling of what direction they'll probably go in. But, you know, as that draft sort of plays out, you know, they're at the mercy of, you know, the 13 teams in front of them. Well, you know, just before we get to the Jets and that spot in the draft, quickly on the number one pick, um, is Shane Wright clear-cut number one? Is there much competition for him? I've heard sort of some different things throughout the season. No, I think, from my perspective, he's number one. And primarily because of his two-way play, look, he has offensive upside. And at worst, I think he's going to be a number two center. But what I really like about him is his mental and emotional toughness. I think this is a kid who's going to be built for NHL playoffs when he hits his peak years. Won't be right away. You got to let him like develop like every other kid because he is a kid. He's 18. So, you know, in that respect, you have to be a little bit patient with him. And I think the Montreal Canadiens will do that. I'm always wary of bringing in 18-year-olds into the NHL. Uh, most of the time, it's it's some tough sledding unless they're absolutely elite. So we'll see how this young man does next year. How uh, how close is the gap or how big is the gap between one and two? And uh, after the first selection, is there a number of players that, you know, are sort of in the mix for number two? Or, I mean, where, where where's that next tier, if you will, after Shane Wright goes off the board, Shane? Well, I think it's, there's about four players sort of in that second tier. You're sort of looking at Logan Cooley and Yuri Slavkovsky. And as I look through my list, you know, I think, you know, Simon Nemec is probably in that list as well. And so though that's kind of like those three three guys in that sort of range that'll be in there. And then there's another tier and another tier. And I'm still in data collection mode. So my tiers are just sort of like it's a group of names. And because you have to collect as much information as you can. And there's no reason to make lists. I know in the public area they have to make lists because there's content demand, but I don't bother. I don't do that till the bitter end until I have no choice to but to make a decision. Because why force yourself into a decision when you don't have to? So I'm usually, you know, a week before the draft or a little bit after the combine. In a normal year, that's when I'm really piecing it together. You know, and, and, and it's a great point because I think from NHL teams perspectives, I mean, they will have the guys that they like, they'll have their values, they'll figure out where you think they would be and they'll make decisions based on best player available. I mean, the bottom line is you can draft for need, but because of the timeline from when these young men are selected as to when they're National Hockey League players, in most cases, Shane, a lot changes between in that period of time. It could end up being irrelevant. That's the big thing. So this isn't the NFL. It's a somewhere between a four to six, maybe sometimes even seven years till the player is a full-time player and contributing. So, I mean, of course, there's always outliers and guys jump in early at 18 or 19 or 20, but generally it's draft plus five. That's normal. And I don't start evaluating draft classes until five years past because it takes that long for players to develop into NHL players, in some cases a little bit longer and it's too difficult to give a fair assessment until that point in time. Overall, when you look at this draft and without kind of, you know, having a final list, I mean, you've got a good idea about the general talent pool. I mean, how would we categorize this? Is this a deep draft? Is it top heavy? Uh, are the prospects 
throughout the first round pretty consistent so that a team in the middle of the pack like Winnipeg should have some a number of good options when they're on the clock. I think this draft class, it has good talent, but not a lot of elite talent. And I think it has depth. So it's the number of players I think will play more than 200 games. I think it'll probably hit 60, might even hit 62. And historically, it's 56 is the number of players will play 200 games. So there's a lot of depth in this draft. I found there's a lot of those two and third line forwards, kind of like those middle six forwards. There's a lot of those in this draft, especially in the first 50. And in terms of defensemen, there's a lot of threes and fours, but not necessarily the twos or the ones. So that's where, you know, there is an opportunity for teams to move down if they wish, because I think once you kind of get to that 20 to 40, in many cases, depending on your preference and how you weight attributes and what you value in terms of playing style, that could, you could pretty much put all these names in a bag and then randomly close your eyes and pull one out. Well, based on what you said, how big of a boost is it for teams like Buffalo and teams like Columbus that'll have multiple first round picks in the top half of the first round? It's tremendous. It changes your franchise. If you hit, even if they are second line forward, say if Columbus hypothetically drafts two defensemen and they're both end up being say a number two and a number three, that changes your franchise or Buffalo takes two forwards and they're two second line forwards changes your franchise. It's not, they're not elite, but you also don't have to, if you get those type of players, you don't have to go and acquire them in a trade or in free agency. You don't have to spend additional assets. You don't have to overpay for players, which tends to happen too often in free agency. So that's where the value comes in when you have, you know, two picks in the top 15. Shane, you know, before we kind of get down the board and talk about a few players, I want to ask you about um, Russian players in this draft. Um, first, as was the scouting at all different uh, this year coming out of COVID with being able to, like, was it improved being able to see these players? And because of what's happening in the world right now with the war in Ukraine, um, are Russian players, will they be further down in the list? Will we see as many drafted? I mean, what do you make of that entire situation as it pertains to the National Hockey League draft? Well, Andrea, as you've seen over history, NHL teams tend to be risk averse. So they don't like to take unnecessary risk. I don't think there's any risk in taking a Russian player because by the time that player is ready to play, it's maybe five or six years down the road. In all honesty, I have no idea what the world geopolitical world is going to look like in five or six years. Nobody does. So and for me, I'm not going to punish a 17 or 18 year old kid based on the decisions made by their government. That's not their fault. But I know there's going to be certain owners and certain teams that are not going to do that. So what that allows organizations to do that are not afraid to take Russians is there's going to be a tremendous amount of value from 25 to 45 or even to 50. I mean, and if you have multiple picks in the second and third rounds, you could come out like a bandit. Five years from now, you could look out and say the teams that, you know, passed on these Russians shouldn't have done it because there's some, a lot of players that are from Russian nationality are very, very talented. So, and I don't think the Winnipeg Jets are afraid to take Russian players. They weren't in the past, and I don't think they are going to be in this draft or in the future. Well, and the funny thing about the Jets is for a long time, they didn't really take any Russians for the most part. The last couple drafts they've had, and we've been seeing what, uh, I mean, Chiprikov and Ali Bertishny, uh, I might be butchering his name a little bit, the seasons that they've had right now, um, 
you'd have to think that, you know, maybe they hit and got incredible value where they picked these players. I mean, every team is going to look at what's happening with the Minnesota Wild right now and look at the patience and how long they waited for Kaprizov, who, if I'm not mistaken, was like a fifth-round pick. I mean, you got That's a player correct. like that in the fifth round. I mean, that, to your point, can be franchise-changing. Certainly, and you could do this with second- and third-round picks. That's the advantage for them. And I like what the situation Winnipeg is in in terms of their player development because their farm system is in Winnipeg and all their facilities are in Winnipeg. So if you're a prospect, you come into the American Hockey League, you can just pick, get your condo or get your house and you're there and you don't have to move. And then all the staff is there. Like I can't emphasize in terms of performance management how a tremendous advantage that is for the Winnipeg Jets and how attractive that is to young prospects because they don't want to be know three time zones away and all these flights away from the big club they want to be able to have that interaction on a regular basis yeah i know we've heard that from a number of uh, players and we're gonna actually have morgan Barron on uh, later on in the program to talk about the big win for the moose last night and tomorrow's game number four and we're also going to be speaking with matthew savoy on the program and you know may as well ask you about the winnipeg ice what a season they've had so far this year and looking at the north american central scouting rankings you got savoy and geeky at four and five after monster seasons for both them individually and their team right now. Have you seen much of the ice? And what do you think about those two young men I just mentioned and their prospects to be first rounders and where they end up? Well, a tremendous team. Uh, they're going to go on a long run. I would not be surprised if they're in the Memorial Cup. And the Memorial Cup is hosted right down the road from me. So if they do make it there, I'll get to see them again, which is great. And for their prospects in the draft, I'm not surprised if both those players are drafted in the top 15. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, they're both different players in terms stylistically, uh, but each has their own attributes that I think are really attractive to NHL teams. And I know there was some discussion about Morgan, you know, about Geeky's skating, but I'm not concerned about it because with time, he'll be able to be an effective skater at an NHL level. All he has to be is average because all his other attributes are very good to potentially elite amongst his peer group. I would, and I think he's perfectly capable of being a second-line center in the NHL, and there's no rush on him. So you already have the size component, the hockey sense, the puck skills. So just sort of amp up that skating a little bit, and he'll be fine. What are the things about Matt Savoy that makes him such a tantalizing prospect to NHL teams? You know, stylistically, he sort of reminds me of Mike Comrie when he played for the Edmonton Oilers. He reminds me of him in that respect. Like darting, creative, um, really good hockey sense, being able to use the give and go, uh, uh, understands how to play pace, how to change his skating speed and be able to create time and space. So, you know, although he's in smaller in stature, I think because he's so elusive, I don't think that's going to be problematic. And you've seen other small centers like Nick Suzuki be highly successful in the NHL. So I don't suspect that Savoy is going to have too many challenges once he finishes his development. Shay, you've been doing this for a long time. I'm interested just to ask you about how the game has changed in the National Hockey League over the last 10 years. Um, you know, if we were talking, say, a dozen years ago about Matt Savoy, how different would he be thought of as an NHL prospect because of his size than where we are today with the speed and skill that is really dominating the National League? He'd be drafted in the mid-second round, Ex similar to what happened with Alex Dabrinkat. That's exactly what I suspect would happen. And I think teams have had to accept the fact that there's multiple ways to win. There's multiple ways for players to be successful. So I don't, I think 
when it when ends up happening with organizations, it's no different than any other industry. You get burned enough times or you see enough historical data. Hopefully you learn your lesson and, you know, you do your due diligence and you have to recognize your own personal biases. And I've had to learn that through. This is our, our 17th year on a show. You know, I've been trying to learn how to evaluate players since, you know, primarily 2000 to 2003 when I first started. It's not easy. I mean, it's the hardest job in hockey. Um, and I have a double walk-in closet full of skeletons of the mistakes I've made in, in evaluating. So I'm no different than any other, you know, NHL scout that's out there. Uh, you just try to learn and really control your biases. That's really one of the big things and ha- and have make sure that you have an organized process when you are evaluating players and then beginning to rank them. Back to this year's class, when we're speaking about those prospects, and you mentioned there's a very few truly elite prospects and then a bigger group of players that could be very good players in the league. Um, When we're talking about the blue liners, um, how many near elite players do you have on defense and how big is the drop-off before that next group of players comes in? Well, I don't have anybody that I would say is a number one defenseman in terms of like, I have a, a range of probability and everybody has a problem. Like the ones that are in the top 15, top 20 will have some level of probability to play as a number one, but it's really, really small. So I have a you know couple defensemen that I would deem number two defensemen. And then the rest are all number threes. And I wouldn't draft the defenseman. If you're not a number three or higher, I'm not drafting you in the first round. If that's where I think the during your peak years, the majority of your playing is going to be as a number three, a number four, you're in a second round or later. And that's just like, that's how I have to range that out uh, because it's just, it's you're, lo- you're leaving value on the table if you're not doing that. So I think the Winnipeg Jets are in a, in a really good position to find whether they want a forward or a defenseman at that 14th spot. I have a suspicion just based on some trap, you know, past history and then what their needs are and then what's available in that range that a defenseman could be the choice for them because yes, they have a bunch of guys under contract, but by the time those contracts start to end, they're going to need a couple more bodies coming up to replace those players. Well, and it's interesting Shane that you say that because you know, when you look at the, 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 um, the, the, ton, the funnel of talent with the Manitoba Moose and the organization right now. Like last couple of years, the biggest concern was on the blue line. And, you know, the Jets added $10 million in salary last year. And it got to the point where you have a very veteran defense core on a team that disappointed, really sort of blocking a lot of young players like Avili Hainala, Dylan Sandberg. We saw Johnny Kovacevic, Declan Chisholm play. Leon Gavanka starred last night for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, for the Manitoba Moose, I should say. But again, projecting three, four years down the road, you're, these guys are either in the National Hockey League, they're elsewhere, they're, you know, you're basically on a whole nother cycle of that. And, you know, with Cole Perfetti and Chaz Lucius picked his first round the last couple of years, you know, they will have some forwards that'll be knocking on the door in the next couple of seasons. But you're exactly right. I mean, for the Jets, and I guess this speaks to picking at 14, and we've seen this before with Winnipeg. Um, it really is a matter of playing the board and seeing what falls to you because in this area where the Winnipeg Jets are picking, we've seen Perfetti come at 10. We've seen Josh Morrissey at 13 before, Kyle Connor at 17. The Jets do have a pretty good track record of reading the room, playing the board, and making a good selection that's turned into a quality NHL player. Sure, there only needs to be one or maybe two greater fools who take a player above, say, what 
the collective group thinks. And I don't like consensus because I think you really have to follow what your data tells you and what information you've collected. But it's right. Like in that 14 hole, there's some players in that area. So if you look at sort of like Kevin Korchinski and you look at Owen Pickering, I mean, there's a couple defensemen right off the hop out of the Western Hockey League that could be the style of defenseman that the Winnipeg Jets like. And there's many attributes about those players that are very, very good. And then there's, so there's some opportunities there to find like a really strong defenseman that could play in the number three hole. And that's where I sort of, I have uh, Korchinski and as well as Pickering in that for the majority of their career, that doesn't mean they couldn't bump into a number two role for a couple of years, but I think the majority of their years, that's where I would project them to be. Yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about and watching the Winnipeg Ice this year for obvious reasons. They're in the middle of a series with the Moose Jaw Warriors and a young Manitoban, Denton Matejchuk, a uh, blue liner, uh, projects to potentially be a first rounder. Uh, what, how much have you seen of him and uh, where does he project into uh, uh, a potential selection for uh, July 7th? Well, I think he's in that range too. And one of the reasons why is offensive defensemen are, are rare. It's scarcity. So you look at how many offensive defensemen are in the NHL. There might be 25, might be 25 legitimate offensive defensemen. So when one becomes available to you that you can take in the draft, you have to seriously consider that because of scarcity and then their overall value in the marketplace because everybody's on the hunt for them. So when one becomes available in free agency or trade, you're paying an arm and leg to get them. So uh, that's something else to seriously consider as well. So if he's there or all three of those defensemen are there, I'd like to be a fly on the wall or sit right beside Chevy and, and Zinger and find out what are they thinking in terms of, you I mean, they've already prepared their list, but you know, sometimes players fall and then they have to have a, you know, a conversation or they just, you know, they just run up to the stage and take it, you know, just the way they did with Perfetti. Oh, you're going to give us Perfetti. Thank you. Run up there and take them. And like, and and get out of there as soon as possible. And move on to uh, figuring out what you do for the second round. Shane Malloy is with us from Hockey Prospect Radio and Sirius XM NHL Radio. Before we go, Shane, let me ask you, I mean, every scout has a guy or two that maybe are higher on their list than maybe some of the others. Is there a, is there a darling or two of the draft that you're already championing right now or, or players that we should be watching that, in your opinion, will be getting a real consistent look and uh, maybe seeing their stock rise as people pay a bit more attention to their body of work? Uh, one name that'll probably start to rise is Gleb uh, Trizakov. He's a Russian player. Uh, his his play over the last two months has been exceptional. And look, you know, development is a curve and it comes and it comes. And sometimes after Christmas, these prospects start coming down, you know, down the railway, super fast and hard charging. He's one player. So keep an eye on, see where Gleb goes in the first, in the first round. If he doesn't go in the first round, I would be like fighting in the pit to try to get a second round pick to uh, go get him. Cause he could be a very valuable player. You talked about Kaprizov. He might be this drafts Kaprizov. Shane Malloy is with us. Hockey Prospect Radio. Shane, fill people in on uh, the show. I'm sure this is probably the best time of the year to be tuning in as we get closer to the draft. Uh, when can people hear you guys and what do you have cooking coming up in the coming weeks? So we're on Channel 91 on SiriusXM NHL Network Radio Saturday mornings from 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and then 8 to 10 a.m. on Sundays. We are going to do eight hours of draft preview. So we're going to do two hours, four weeks in a row leading up to the draft. So we just have so much content. We couldn't get away with doing a, a smaller show. So, you know, we're, 
we're draft geeks, so we love doing it. If we could do 20 hours, we would, but the producers and, and Peter won't let us. Hey, listen, I, I'm here for all of it, and I'm sure our uh, listeners are as well. Thanks for doing this, my friend. Uh, be well, and uh, hopefully we can catch up in the weeks uh, to come before we gather in Montreal. And here's Shane Wright. Go off the board at number one for the Habs. Sounds great. Have a fantastic day. Appreciate you. There is Shane Malloy. Check it out. Hockey Prospect Radio. Weekend mornings on Sirius XM NHL Radio. All right. Ruiki's warming up that rubber arm of the bullpen. We'll get him open here in just a second. Um, want to thank our friends at Culligan Water. Actually popped by and saw Keenan yesterday at Culligan. They are excited for the upcoming summer and told me a lot about the um, bottleless filter systems that if you're if you don't want to deal with the deliveries and the large bottles and bringing them back some amazing options for your home and your cottage that you can look into talk to the experts at culligan about that of course they do have everything that you need for your home work or business uh, water softeners filters bottled water coolers drinking water systems citywide water delivery services and of course commercial and industrial water products and solutions they're 1200 sergeant avenue 6941180 or see them online at drinkculligan.com. Everyone needs batteries, especially as we get into the summer. And uh, we've got spring hours at Manitoba Battery, making sure they're there for you when you need them. Open from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. right now. So uh, finish work. You want to get uh, that battery ready so you don't need to be wasting time on the weekend when you want to get out on the water. Manitoba Battery is there for you. And the bottom line is you'll be shopping local. You'll save money with best prices in town, better than Costco, better than Canadian Tire. Experts to help you get you what you need. And, of course, they'll also buy your old battery back for you. So save time, save money, shop local, 1026 Logan Avenue, 7838787. And you can find out more on everything that Manitoba Battery has going on at manitobabattery.com. And with the World Cup coming up a few months down the road, the excitement continues to build. Got a chance to see Valor FC. You could just feel the World Cup buzz amongst the fans there. And now, finally, the Canada soccer gear is coming into Royal Sports. Alfonso Davies jerseys are available. Canada jerseys, as well as the World Cup Weekend 2022 shirt that you saw our Canadian men's national team celebrating after they clinched their spot in the World Cup. And while you're at Royal Sports, check out their massive soccer section expanded for the start of the season, not to mention soccer, uh, not to mention softball, baseball, and expanded fitness section, and of course, bikes coming in by the week as well. It's all there for you at the Real Superstore for sports and sports fans, Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Follow them there for the latest merchandise drops, as well as great sales, including their world-famous tent sales. And uh, listen, I don't know how... uh, Opening day is going to be a breezy tomorrow. All the golf courses are opening just in time for another special weather statement. I can tell you it's going to be a great summer out at Breezy Bend. If you're looking for an amazing home for you and your family for years to come on one of Manitoba's premier courses, Breezy Bend's the spot for you. Great junior programs, women's programs, practice facilities, course improvements over the last couple of years, and uh, the best 19th hole in the game as well. Talk to Corey Johnson over Breezy Bend for more information or find out more online at breezybend.ca. All right, let's talk some more puck and welcome in Brendan Ruwicki to the program. B, what's going on? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, not much, man. Happy to be back. That's pretty 
it looks pretty awful outside right now, but just the fact that, yeah, golf courses and Breezy Bend and all that's opening up soon. I had, uh, how, how can you not get jacked up about that? I don't have to play, I don't have to play Waki Lala on, on uh, PGA 2K21 anymore. I can actually do it in real life. I'll look, what do you, do you, are you on a PS, PlayStation, Xbox, or computer for a, for a PGA 2K21? Uh, PlayStation. PlayStation, eh? Jeez, I, we got to get some cross-platform play going on. I would love <laughs> to dance with you out there. And heck, you can play Breezy there as well, but it's much better to do it. You must be, I can't imagine, we'll get you out to Breezy at some point, and I uh, can already picture it. A full Jay Lindeberg outfit, probably <laughs> a white belt. Um, <laughs> you know, what's the, what, what's the Ruwiki, what's the Ruwiki outfit that you've planned for, uh, for the final round? I, I'm pretty offended that you think I'm a white belt guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I but I do have the white belt. It's usually no, no. Uh um it's it's probably I guess the main thing is that I'll almost always wear pants, even if it is too hot. I, I don't I just don't like wearing shorts that much. So I'll have usually like a black a, a pair of black Nike pants on and then a pretty nice golf shirt that's a little too tight. Like that's that's my go-to. Color-wise, I'm all over the place, but two like the, the Troy Westwood, you know, large baby gap golf shirt, and then a pair of black pants to go with it. Uh, we'd be a great pair because I'd be the exact opposite, wearing shorts yeah. at any point possible, untouched and, shirt, and with a nice golf shirt that's a little too big and hopefully untucked <laughs> if I can get away with it. All right, listen, we can talk about our golf course outfits uh, all summer long and debut them when we get out on the course, but let's talk about, listen, the biggest news this week, and it's been huge for the show. I mean, the numbers have been ridiculous. The second that Barry Trotz hit the market, you could feel the excitement um, of Winnipeg Jet fans hoping that the dream candidate that no one really thought would be available is all of a sudden there. Um, and I know you had some interesting tweets about it. I mean, what was your reaction when you heard about it Monday morning? And uh, listen, from your perspective, if they could get it done, and I realize it's a big, big if. I mean, uh, how impactful do you think that could be for a team that has a lot of work to do in the offseason to reverse a, a pretty unfortunate um, trend in the past couple of years? Yeah, you know, I, I said that he's a top three coach in the NHL and he's not second or third. Like you, you can make the case that bringing in Barry Trotz and his coaching staff alone would necessitate a home run off season for Kevin Sheveldayoff, right? Like I, I know season champs, <laughs> yeah, two years running, but but it's it's just it's so hard to understate how potentially massive that would be, and all you have to do is look at the previous two seasons for the New York Islanders, right? Like if you want to go talent versus talent, the Jets win that one all day, every day against the Islanders roster. Yet the Islanders have been, you know, up until a few days ago when Toronto won game five, the Islanders have been the closest team to knocking off the Tampa Bay Lightning in the postseason these past two years. And that's, you know, 99% because of what Barry Trotz and his coaching staff have done with that team. And and, and you go, and the cool thing with, with what Trotz has done as a coach is he's done it in, you know, different styles, different locations and, and teams that, play different brands of hockey too like sure the the defensive stinginess is kind of the hallmark there but it's not like he limited the offensive brilliance of the Washington Capitals either right like they were scoring a ton of goals on route to their Stanley Cup win a couple of president's trophies there with the Caps too he, he it would just be massive it's you know my my initial thought and I I was thinking this because you kind of heard rumblings you know a few weeks before it actually happened that you know oh my gosh they might actually 
move on for some reason. And I'm I'm still shocked that it happened, right? I I just I don't understand the reasoning behind it because I thought the Islanders had sort of a Murphy's lost season. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong for them. And even then they didn't, you know, they didn't miss the playoffs by all that much either, despite every single thing going wrong for them. It would be it would be kind of the lone hire I think the Jets could make where they have somebody that has ties to the province in true north, but but that's kind of secondary. It's the fact that he is without a doubt one of the best coaches on the planet right now. Well, I'll say this. I mean, we'll get to what it would mean for the hockey club and the dressing room and all of those things. But I mean, as I've been mentioning all week long, I mean, there's a big part of this, and you mentioned the community. Uh, I mean, listen, I think we can safely say, I and mean, we saw it in Marat's athletic fan poll, that there has been an erosion of confidence in the overall direction of the club. And well, that what happens when you sort of go backwards with so much promise and so much talent on the roster. And assigning a Barry Trotz, albeit would be more expensive than I think they planned to plan to, you know, probably fork out for their coach originally when they were doing the financials for this year, in my opinion, would probably pay for itself in a lot of ways in that, you know, there's a number of people that might be on the fence that if they were able to get this and make no mistake, this would be the home run hire, not a home run hire, the home run hire. I think you regain that confidence from a lot of people, both individuals as well as businesses on board. And um, and for all the angst that this fan base has had justifiably for the next little while, I think it immediately injects a whole new level of belief and confidence into the organization. And uh, that cannot be understated how important that would be. And I'm not really sure there's anybody else close that could do no. um, anything in the remote realm of what a Barry Trotz hire would do for Winnipeg. No, no, it isn't close. And there isn't anybody out there right now that could do that. And, you know, I I don't think they call him David Alligator Arms Thompson. Like I'm I'm pretty sure he can he can fish around in his pockets for a couple extra million dollars if, if Barry Trotz wants five or six million a year. I don't think that's going to be an issue for the Winnipeg Jets. But on top, like kind of to go on on your path there, like obviously it injects a large dose of excitement to what's kind of turned into a bit of an apathetic fan base. But for a team that has struggled for years and years to attract whether it be free agents or convince players to waive their no-trade clauses. You're telling me that if you're a guy with a free agent deal and it's down to Winnipeg and what other team potentially, and, hey, Barry Trotz could be my coach, and Barry Trotz goes on a lot of deep playoff runs. Like that, There's also that part of it, too, where, hey, the fan thing is great, but as far as your actual on-ice product, Barry Trotz probably can convince a few guys to come here that you wouldn't have got otherwise. So it's it's the, the problem, though, is, of course... If everybody here in Winnipeg wants him, everybody in Philly wants him, everybody in Detroit wants him, everybody in maybe Vegas soon to be, and, and so on and so on. So if 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 it is ultimately going to be a bit of a bidding war, it, it might be a tough one for the Jets to win. The lone trump card they hold over everyone else, though, is that if he wants to come home, he can only do that in one location. Well, exactly. I mean, again, you know, and it's purely speculative, but I think Barry Trotz has been very clear over the years what a proud Manitoban he is. He comes back here during the offseason. And listen, Barry, I know you were a former warm-up listener. If you're listening right now, I mean, you would be welcomed like a hero coming back. And it would be an opportunity for a guy that's done everything in the game and has been successful as he's been. I'm not sure there could be anything more special than coming back home and being the catalyst of a legit turnaround 
um, that sparks so much excitement and pride really in the place where he is from. And I guess the other part of it is, Brandon, that, you know, he has expressed through the insiders that he does have, you know, thoughts of being in management at some point. I mean, I think that they would be nuts. And listen, I'm, I understand. I think the same sort of plan was for Paul Maurice to finish up and some point go into the organization. Now, that changed, obviously, when he uh, left the club in early December. Um, but it wouldn't be hard to put out a bit of a roadmap for coaching for a while, moving in. And I mean, it would be the guy that, I mean, you couldn't have a better person coming into the organization. Although what will be interesting, though, in the short term, if Barry Trotz does come in a coach, and let's say he wants to come back, and let's say the money's done, the control over the roster and the ability to work with Shevel Day off and you know be on the same page, like I have no reason to believe that they wouldn't work well together and it wouldn't be a good decision. But I would have to think that wherever Barry Trotz goes, there will be a significant amount of control on the coach that maybe a normal hire would not be able to uh, to demand. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I, Good point. You, you want <laughs> that, to? That's my response. We can go to the no, but like, and the, the thing too though is, if you're Kevin Shevel Day off, you're not you're not getting another coaching hire after this, right? Like you've already. This is number three. A lot of GMs never say never. Never say never. Hey, that's that's fair. I just don't see number four coming down the pipeline in a few years if if things don't work out. And if Barry Trotz is there and he wants a slice of the pie when it comes to, say, in roster construction, go right ahead. Create create a new position for him, assistant general manager, executive, VP of hockey, like whatever it is, you do what it takes to make sure you get the guy here. King of country, whatever it is, <laughs> you hand that to Barry Trotz on a silver platter because... He really is, even pushing aside like the, the provincial connections and all that, what he brings as a head coach is literally the perfect ailment to what's harmed this club over the past several seasons. So you, you do whatever it takes to get him in here. Speaking of the King of Country Fest, it's hilarious that you mentioned that. And I don't know whether you saw in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat over the last couple of days as Trot's watch, as Remus has coined it, continues. But... There was a suggestion, and I laughed out loud when I saw it, that the greatest announcement of all time would be, you know, oh. you're at a country fest in between bands, and all of a sudden, that's Kevin Shevel Deos music, and he comes out <laughs> and introduces Trotz on the stage at Dolphin Country Fest as the new head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Dare. He does the Vince Swagger out there, yeah. too. Maybe sings a few songs with whatever act, uh, Kane Brown or who's ever coming up next. Get Barry on lead guitar. Barry can do whatever the hell he wants. Whatever. If he wants to come here and coach this hockey club. Um, hey, listen, another name, though, that has for obvious reasons, he's available. He does have connections here. He has been successful up until recently in the National Hockey League as a head coach is Elaine Vigneault. I mean, you follow the Flyers as close as anybody I know. Unfortunately, yeah. What, what happened with v, AV in, in Philly? Because, I mean, there was a lot of excitement when they got him in there. He was sort of that. I mean, I think they felt that Vigneault coming in, there was a lot of ways that way we feel about a potential Barry Trotz hire. Um, and obviously, it didn't go well. How much of this was on the coach? And, I mean, from a guy that watched them night in and night out, I mean, what did you take about a, what, what did you take away from AV at least coaching the Flyers in his last stint? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I talked about this on the last episode of Skates and Plates, and I had to rehash the nightmare that's been these past few seasons in Philly. 
and it's it's crazy too because you know I, I maybe it's PTSD blocked it out, but I, I think he was a Jack Adams finalist his first year in Philly, right? Or he was at the very least in in, in the top five of voting. The they Flyers had a great were, start. Yeah, they were first place for for a large chunk, and you know took took Barry Trotz's Islanders to Game Seven in the second round of the bubble, and. There's no other way to describe it other than it was a complete nightmare and a disaster. Like it, it, it was, it devolved so quickly that there was legitimate consideration that he was going to get canned after year two, when the Flyers just completely went in the tank. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of talk of animosity between him and the players. The players hated him, didn't want any part of him, and he was brought back for a third season, I, I guess, to see if they could recapture the magic of year one. And it was pretty evident, you know, early on this past year that it just it, it wasn't going to work. So I, I know that he's had success in, you know, every other stop in the NHL outside of Philadelphia. But, man, if you if you hated watching the Jets play defensively these past few years and if you hate young players having to see it on the sidelines when veterans are getting more ice time that may be undeserved, you are not going to want an Elaine Vigneault coach Winnipeg Jets team it just I I don't know if I don't know if his style of communication and whatnot is is kind of in the rear view and it just doesn't work with today's athlete in the NHL but it's it's a name that I would definitely steer clear from because again we we know the issues here in Winnipeg accountability defensive play that was the Philadelphia Flyers biggest issues these past two seasons and it got worse and worse and worse to the point that the the players weren't even the I'm one thing I'll say, sure. though, and this is so weird when we're talking about coaches, and I mean, I don't really know what the answer to it is, but, you know, we have seen in the past AV teams or insert whatever coach that's had a bad year or got his ass fired that had some real success at points doing exactly that beforehand. And, you know, and I'll say the same thing here with Paul Maurice. I mean, you know, a few seasons ago, we were watching the way the Winnipeg Jets played with the buy-in that they had and the success that they were having. and. There wasn't a lot of people saying, oh, my God, this guy's coaching the team into the ground. And then you fast forward a couple of years with the majority of the same players, and it doesn't even look like the same team. And again, I don't know how much that is on the coach. I don't know whether that's on losing the room. I don't know how much responsibility it is on the players that are getting paid a lot of money that maybe decide they want to go do their own thing. But it comes back down to it. I had a really interesting conversation with Phil DeSantos from Valor FC, and I asked him, Phil, like, if you broke your job down, how much is it is tactics and systems? How much of it is, you know, being a leader and a motivator and a rah-rah guy? And how much is it being a psychiatrist for some of these players that have interesting mental makeups? And, you know, you didn't put exact a number on it, but the, the job really is all of those things. And you can still be banging out the same message on one side, but if you're losing the battle somewhere else, everything can fall apart. No, I, I totally get that. And really, coaching in any sport nowadays is almost more about management than it is about being an X's and O's genius. And, and there's and this is the interesting thing about coaching, too, is that, you know, if you look at some of the better ones in the NHL right now, you know, I don't think there was a Bruins fan that was super excited about Bruce Cassidy a few seasons ago, right? Like his first... I thought he was just going to kind of come in after Claude got fired and then be, be gone the guy afterwards. In, Exactly right, and and he's shown that he learned from his mistakes in Washington his first go around, and he's clearly been one of the better coaches in the NHL. The same thing with Craig Berube, who you know had an awful time at Philly his first go around, 
but has found a fit with with the St. Louis Blue. Like sometimes it is just fit where, hey, with this group of guys, this is not the right person. And it just it doesn't work out for whatever reason. I guess, you know, even just pushing that aside with the lame Vigneault, my my other big concern is just that, you know, going back to his last few seasons with the New York Rangers, even his teams tended to get outshot pretty heavily, outchanced pretty heavily. And they relied a lot on goaltending. And obviously having, you know, Henrik Lundqvist in between the pipes is going to take a team maybe farther than they should. It just, it kind of gives me, it kind of gives me flashbacks to what Connor Hellebuck has had to do these past few seasons. That that would be, you know, maybe as big of a concern as what went on from a relationship perspective with Elaine Vigneault and the players on the Flyers. I I, I would maybe lean more towards somebody who's who has a proven track record of, I can I can instill a defensive structure and a commitment to defense as opposed to, you know, I, I have an all-star goaltender bailing us out night after night. I guess the other question, and I mean, listen, it's fun to talk about, I guess. It certainly is an issue here. I mean, none of us really have the answers, though we've heard many things from many sources, including obviously what James Patrick had to say earlier this week. The challenge of coming in a new head coach with a clean slate demanding that they are the leader and, you know, establishing a new, a start to a new culture, regardless of who's here and who's not there. And that might be the biggest job of all when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. And we talk a lot about tactics and how they're going to play and, you know, setting up that lineup. But it's pretty clear that the uh, the third part of what I had mentioned of the job of a coach, that psychiatrist, um, we're going to need a good psychiatrist, I think, to come in and get this thing back going in the right direction. Oh, well, I, I guess the first warning sign was when Paul says he was calling players selfish and not respecting their team. That might have been the first sign something was wrong. Yeah. I, and and that's that's also the interesting part of this is like, even if it is a guy like Barry Trotz, for example, is that is that enough? Right. Like is bringing somebody like that in enough to kind of reverse what had been a worrying trend with worsening player relations oh, i'm with you i mean i think you could bring in scotty freaking bowman right now and i think you still have some major questions and major needs when it comes to maybe changing up the locker room the roster itself i mean it goes to say i mean there is still a lot of work for kevin shovel they have to do as much as barry trotz ticks off a lot of the a lot of the the boxes of what they need to do more so than anybody else the coach and coach alone is not going to be the uh, the be all end all and the final answer for this team. Yeah, I, I, and I totally agree with that. But I, I can also understand at the same time, you know, when we talk about Mark Shifley, for example, who is is worrying about his future, even though he's got a two two more years on his contract here. Wouldn't you like to see what he's like under Barry Trotz for a little bit? You know what I mean? Before, if, if there is no offer that's blowing you out of the water wouldn't maybe, maybe we should give that a bit of a run or maybe we should say maybe we should see Blake Wheeler on the third line with with Barry Trotz barking out orders and this and this so that that's the there, there's such a balance that needs to happen here and I don't know if there's necessarily a right answer but it does really set up to be the most transformative offseason for the Winnipeg Jets really since they first came back here right like it's almost like you're instilling a new set of culture here and, and whether it's a, a slice of management and, and things like that, you know, whoever the coach is going to be, that, that's, that's, that's the biggest task he's got moving forward here is instilling a new set of culture and a set of ground rules that this is what we follow. And if you don't want to be a part of it, that's fine. We'll move on and 
we're going to have guys that are pulling the rope in the same direction. Yeah, I know, 100%. And that was pretty evident that that wasn't the case. And even if you didn't see it or didn't think that was the case, the freaking players told us over and over again at the end of the season in case it wasn't evidently clear to everybody. Um, Just quickly on Shifley, because it's interesting. I mean, you know, certainly coming out of where everything ended, what we heard from Mark, I mean, I think that both the situation beforehand, just with his contract, the value that he'd have right now, what he would return, the importance of not losing that player and an asset like that for nothing, and it would be a diminishing asset the longer you get closer to the end of the contract, meant that you know it was likely that he would be traded. After I heard what he had to say, I basically thought that he was good as gone. But it is interesting if you think about Barry Trotz and what he might be able to do, that if you did have the buy-in and you had a Mark Scheifele that was legitimately excited to come in and play for a Stanley Cup winning coach that had the right attitude, that thing might turn around. But, I mean, from your perspective, I mean, what would Barry Trotz do for Mark Scheifele? And here's the thing. Like, I'm not sure the point totals go up, but if you get him to buy in, hopefully they don't get diminished too much, but you win so much on the other side of things it certainly makes the team better. I guess the question is whether he's in for that. And I'm not sure that anyone really knows, considering what he had to say at the end of the year. Yeah, no. And, and really, the, the name of the game isn't getting points. It's it's outscoring your opposition, right? So there, if, I, if I'm Barry Trotz, it's like, hey, we, we get more out of you defensively. You're still getting first-line power play minutes. Go score a bunch over there. But we need a little bit more out of you in our end of the ice. So... I, and I think, too, when you watch when you watch some of the elite defensive players in the NHL, like, do you think Alex Barkov is putting up 60 points in Florida? Or do you think Patrice Bergeron's offense is suffering with what he's doing at, at 37, 38 years old, having the best off, offensive and, and defensive production of his career, right? Like, when we talk about sacrificing offense for defense, I feel like people have this misconception that it's, oh my goodness, a, a, an 80-point guy over the course of a season is now a 50-point guy because there's just there's you, you cannot play offense and defense at the same time. That's that's not what's being asked of here. It's just try to create offense from defense as opposed to just chasing offense all the time. So I think that's got to be the first conversation between the new head coach and Mark Shifley here. But at the same time, if you're Kevin Chevalayoff, and and even if you kind of maybe have a leaning that, you know what, we we, we want to keep Mark here and see if we can fix this ourselves before potentially parting ways. I, you have to explore trades with him this offseason, right? And then see what the offers are out there. Like, there's no major, major incentive to make a deal this offseason. I think they could still get a ton of value for him, you know, next year, even though he would only have one year left on his deal. We've just we, we've seen teams in the past give up a ton for guys that don't have a lot of term left on their deal. But maybe there's a maybe there's a desperate team out there that we don't know of right now. And, and maybe it's somebody that loses in round one or round two and feels like they need to make a major move. And and maybe somebody offers something that's just too good to pass over. Like Well, especially if you get a number of bidders in, in on it. I mean, exactly. Elliot Friedman said, and I firmly agree. I mean, the fact that there's two years left on this deal, which is not insignificant, um, the price of pretty much every team in the league could fit Mark Shifley into their cap situation. We know that he's able to do, and I think that makes it, uh, you know, I think that makes it highly likely or at least possible that they really do strongly consider this. And I think it's even more so considering what we said at the end of the year, what would be fascinating and back to the dream scenario of trots coming on board. I mean, if they've already said, listen, you know, we need to make a change. Mark needs a change of scenery and he's going to be gone. If Barry trots is in the mix, 
how that might change what the Jets are looking for coming back because there are Barry Trotz type of players that, you know, you may get in a trade in a vacuum for Coach X that would help you in some ways that could be far more impactful to winning hockey games consistently with a guy like Trotz on the bench. Yeah, and that goes back to him getting some some managerial control on all this, right? It's, hey, you signed me for five mil a year. I'm gonna I'm gonna also make a little bit of a, a push for my guy in this. Yeah, I, I don't, and that's the thing. Like, it's 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 interesting too with Shifley because, like, yes, the cap hit makes him desirable and easy to fit in. But if you're a team acquiring him, like, it's almost like you're either giving up somebody that's older than him or somebody that's way younger than him on an on an entry level deal, right? Like, I. I wonder what the the assets that would be coming back just just what that looks like, and and it, yeah, like maybe Trotz feels like you know what we we got we got some good center talent here, and maybe we'll give Cole Perfetti a shot down the middle, whatever it is. But I, I we need a blue liner, like we need another number one pairing guy, and that's the impetus for for making a trade. Or or maybe he does feel like another name is is needed down the middle. We we don't really know that just yet, and there's just a lot we don't know, right? We also don't know if it is past the point of no return inside that locker room and things like that but to me this has just got to be explore all your options here see what out see see what's out there see if the kings the rangers the hurricanes whoever it is might get a little desperate and and maybe you're able to get the both the the best of both worlds right where you you transform your roster you change up personnel but might also make your team better in the process no, absolutely. Brandon Rewicki's with us. He's the host of Skates and Plates. Make sure to download it wherever you get your favorite podcast, like Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, B, while we're at it, let's quickly hit on the playoffs. We've got the potential to have six, maybe even seven game sevens. That's certainly what I'm going for right now. Who's impressed you the most so far outside of the Avalanche? We'll be talking about them for the next month or so, I'm sure. Um, so far, what's really stood out to you over the course of the past week, I guess, since we last spoke as these series get down to very crucial game six. Yeah, the Avalanche are just they're goofy as hell. Like this whole define the odds thing they're putting like, the, like <laughs> shut up. Like just just stop. You 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 curb stop the predators without their number one goalie. Like enough with that crap. Who's impressed me the most? I mean, for, for pockets, it's been Toronto. Like it has been. They've but they're just such a it's such a bizarre thing. And this this game tonight and maybe likely this game seven coming up is it's so freaking fascinating how like there's just so much on the like it's it's not your typical, it's not like when the Capitals couldn't get past the Penguins, even for me. Like there are reputations and careers on the line when these guys step out there. I can't imagine the amount of pressure and, and hey, they get paid a lot of money. I, I don't feel bad for them like necessarily, but like 23 year old kids essentially have like the weight of the world on their shoulders and they've got to find a way to perform and do it against the back-to-back champs. But, you know, I, I picked them to beat Tampa Bay before this series began and I picked them to do it in six because if it goes back to Toronto, it's it curtain. It's over They're They're not finding a way to win that one. But the the Leafs fascinated me because, you know, they play pretty well, like under pressure in terms of like they've shown they can come back in series. They've shown they can erase deficits. Well, and, 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 and that game five performance, I mean, the way they were down and came back led by the big guys, especially was, Austin Matthews. I mean, that, that was that was an important game. If they had a chance of getting through the series, yeah. 
that might have been the signature moment. Although and, and maybe, there will be another one before we're done, yeah. one way or the other. And, and maybe Mitch Marner is the one that's impressed me the most because he's been like he's been a big time stud for them, and he was rightfully under a lot of fire for the way he played against Montreal. But he's been he's been absolutely unreal. But I don't know. Like it, it, these stats have kind of circulated around, but the Leafs in series when they've led are one and eight in their following game. They're 0 for freaking 7 with a chance to advance. Like, oh. there, there is so clearly something, like, it's this massive mental barrier that needs to be overcome. It's nothing physical. It's nothing talent. Like, it's just this huge mental bug that they need to overcome here. And that's what's so fascinating about this series for me is that they play good coming from behind, but when you have the chance to win, they crumble. And, and can they find a way to overcome? Everyone's it? done that against Tampa for the last few years, though. I mean, the Islanders were in the same position with Barry Trotz having the chance to ice them, and they weren't able to do it. And this stat of, I think now, 50 games and counting without losing consecutive games in the playoffs is one of the most incredible stats you'll ever find out. Rastolevsky's never lost back-to-back games in no. the playoffs. How is that possible? <laughs> and listen... If he continues that streak tonight, we're going to be going back to T.O. for game seven. And the tension and stress levels amongst whether it's players, whether it's fans, ticket takers at the building, I'm sure will be on edge right now. And it'll be, listen, I'm I'm here for it. We'll see whether the Oilers can get to a game seven. Are they screwed tonight? I mean, the Darnell Nurse headbutt what a stupid play i mean you cannot do that for them to be losing their number one defenseman they'll likely go 11 and 7 tonight um they've had some real issues with bouchard and keith keith getting burned on that ot yeah. winner we know that there are guys that can raise their level of play and maybe win games on their own but uh what do you make of their play going into the crypto.com arena this evening they, they're they're sinking faster than crypto is right now speaking <laughs> of crypto I, I, I mean, hope that was a pay in advance deal for the Kings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But like, these are kind of the oil. Like, I, I feel like Denny Green, right? Like, they are who we thought they were. They're in, in Connor McDavid minutes. They're, they're crushing the Kings. When he's not playing, they're not. Like, it's again, we're, we're doing the same song and dance with them. And it, it just goes back to the fact that their blue line is arguably the worst in the entire postseason uh, of, of any team that, that made the dance. And then Mike Smith is either standing on his head or letting in a softy, right? Like, it, it, there's no in-between with him either. Uh, again, there's just no support for Connor McDavid here. They, they, I think they still find a way to, to win this series. I, I picked them to win in seven, actually. I thought L.A. would be a bit of a tough out for them. But, I mean, if you've watched a second of Flame Stars, and if Calgary, who, who seems to kind of be, you know, finding their momentum and, and rolling now, if, if they face Calgary in round two, it's it's going to be a bloodbath. Like they they're just they're not destined to go deep. And you wonder, I mean, you you also wonder too. Even though I think they're going to get it done, they lose Game Six. <laughs> if you're Connor McDavid and you're kind of looking around here, and it's been five, six, seven years, and oh, we promised to do this and this. At some point, do you not maybe throw out a little? I have to wonder about my future here, even though I have a couple <laughs> years. You know what I oh, mean? Where like, have I heard that before? Yeah, we're, <laughs> but at some point that has to be on the table because you're wasting. I, I, it's been a long time, if ever, we've seen a team waste the prime of a player like Connor McDavid in any sport, not just hockey, in, in any, like it's Mike Trout levels. Of, and Dreisaitl. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, two of them. Yeah. forgetting about that guy that scores yeah. 50. Remember him? Like, yeah, that's fair, right? But, like, it's it's it really is shocking how little they've gotten out of the rest of their raw. I know they had that great end to the season, but it's just been the same old, same old, and it must be frustrated as hell for both of those guys to, to have to deal with that again. Hey, you know, we've talked all year long about that division with the Leafs and Tampa and Florida, and Florida, you know, to their credit, ran away with it, won first place, won the division. I didn't know what to expect from the from the Panthers coming in. I mean, they have no playoff success. I mean, if Quinville was on the bench, maybe he'd be able to guide them. I don't know what Andrew Burnett, you know, obviously he kind of pushed in. It's worked out well through the regular season. I mean, they were two minutes away from being down three to one. They gutted that one out, one in an OT. Carter Hagee with five points leads them to a, you know, a win last night, coming back from a three-nothing deficit on home ice. I've often thought back to teams that go on big runs being tested to the limit exactly. in the first round. Let me ask you this. If the Panthers survived the Washington Capitals in this first round, considering the way they've done it, do you think that helps their chances, especially considering what the Leafs and Lightning are doing to each other, basically taking each other, killing each other every game in this first round that could easily go seven? A hundred percent, unless Florida loses in five in round two, then I, I reserve the right to completely reverse the no. But, you know, it reminds me, and it's funny because they're playing them, but this reminds me so much of when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. Because if you remember, they took on the Blue Jackets in their first round series and played like dog crap through the first three or so games. That was when Grubauer got the start over Brayton Holtby. And they got so lucky in game three you know, there was kind of that fluky bounce in OT and Columbus almost scored in overtime before and, and that. And would have been up 3 nothing in yeah, that series. Great, I'll right? never forget. We were watching it at BP City Place. Yeah, exactly. And they find a way to survive. They win four straight, and we all know what happens after that. Florida in, what was it, game three or game four, potentially going down 3-1. Pull the goalie with three and a half minutes left. You get the tying and the wit. It, like, there's a lot of similarities there where... If you play crappy hockey, but you can kind of get a bouncer too, all of a sudden it's a complete 180. And and I wonder too. I'm I'm not, we're kind of on the same wavelength here that you know maybe they just got fortunate that they got all their bad hockey out early on and they weren't in a huge hole. And if they can find a way to squeak out a game six win, a lot of pressure comes off you, and you can maybe focus a little more on on playing the way you did during the regular season. So I I, I 100% agree that. The Panthers got a huge, huge break, and they were lucky to do that. But it's about taking advantage of it now and take care of business in Washington in Game Six, and that that would be a series for the ages. The like a Florida Maple Leaf series that would be one where like whoever's fan base loses that one, immediate roster changes the next year because it, it's got like six five games written all over it up until Game Seven. Take the over if they're playing take those over, games. Yeah. <laughs> take the over. I'll guarantee on that. Ruicky, thanks so much for doing that. Uh, tomorrow, new episode of uh, Skates and Plates, Friday morning. That's right. Friday morning, coming at you. You know the drill. Thanks again for having me on, man. Looking forward to it, dude. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the games tonight. Sounds good. Right on. There's Brandon Ruicky. All right, great stuff on the Jets and the National Hockey League. We're going to be talking Moose. Huge win last night. Coming back from a 2-0 deficit with their backs against the wall. Morgan Barron joining us in just a second. Hey, I do want to thank our friends at Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, Princess Auto, big sponsors of the Gold Eyes, who begin their season tomorrow, 6.30, first pitch down at Shaw Park. And, of course, they'll also be the sponsors of the Blue Bomber tailgate section before each and every game out at IG Field. 
Princess Auto is the spot where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg, and of course, you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. If you're looking for a new vehicle before you go anywhere, pop by and see our friends at Not Auto Corp. They've been the experts in the electric vehicle game for about a decade here with the uh, with so many Teslas on the lot. And if you're thinking about an electric vehicle, talk to them about the Tesla experience. But regardless of what kind of car you want, before you do anything, talk to the experts at Not. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? And uh, tell you what, I'll be back to the rink tomorrow, hopefully walking out happy like we did last night and maybe going somewhere downtown for a delicious little brown jug heck before or after the game hit little brown jug on william avenue you can try the 1919 and all the great little brown jug beers winnipeg's favorite local beer you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca for delivery citywide wednesdays fridays and saturdays and of course if you're not around little brown jug pick it up at your favorite liquor mart or beer store all right big win last night Really looking forward to this next conversation because we actually had a date to talk to Morgan Barron a few weeks ago. And as we were ready to talk to him, Morgan Barron got called up to the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, we're going to get Morgan on in just a second. He will join us. Uh, don't forget, huge night of sports tomorrow. Manitoba Moose Game 4 will be at 7 p.m. at Canada Life Centre. The ice taking on Moose Jaw at... 7 p.m. at the Ice Cave, and a half hour earlier, we'll have first pitch for the Gold Ice season down at Shaw Park. Going to be a great, great sports weekend. And uh, just looking, I thought we had Morgan, and then he popped out. So we'll see uh, if we can get him back in just a second. Um, and coming up a little bit later on, we'll also talk to Matt Savoy of the Winnipeg Ice. Big win for the Ice last night. They did lose Game Three after thumping Moose Jaw at home in Games One and Games Two. And uh, big win in game four, poised to move on to take on the Edmonton Oil Kings coming up in the next round. Um, Remo, what's up? Did we just lose uh, lose Morgan? It looked like he was ready to roll in. Yeah, he was here. I know the connection wasn't the best. Um, oh, okay. So I don't know if he's having trouble getting back in. I just emailed Dan about that. Let him know we we're, uh, were good to go. Well... In the meantime, why don't we take a quick look at these games for tonight? Because, um, as I said, we've got Matt Savoy coming up after Morgan Barron on the program. But we've all got always got time to check out these cool bet lines. And, uh, you know, huge game. We were talking just with Brandon Rewicki about the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. That game, the puck will drop at 6.30 our time from Tampa. Tampa minus 132 favorite and Toronto plus 112 I mean that those numbers on um, those numbers on Vasilevsky after a loss in the playoffs is, I mean, one of the craziest stats I've ever heard, and a big reason why they are the back-to-back -back defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, but the Lightning at minus one thirty-two, forcing a game seven. I think I'm going to have to roll with Tampa. Uh, you know, without any real skin in the game, I just want game seven. I want that stress. I want that paranoia. Uh, and I want to see a great game between two awesome teams. I've really enjoyed this series so far. The Boston Bruins facing elimination are at home tonight, minus 122. They say the series doesn't start till someone loses at home. Well, the Bruins will have an opportunity to push it to Carolina. And 
if they can beat them at home, move on to the next round. Carolina winning the first two games in convincing fashion. Boston holding serve at home. Carolina getting the win in game number five. Game six, Carolina could move on. Boston looks like they'll be trying to force a seventh game tonight. Boston minus 122 and Carolina plus 104. Um, Two other amazing games tonight. Uh, We've just mentioned the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers are favored on the road tonight. Minus 132. And uh, the Kings are plus 112. And uh, we've also got the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues tonight. All right, Remo, are you saying that we actually have Morgan? Oh, wait. Uh, I'm just texting with Fink. I think he was in there. We couldn't see him. But, um, okay, he's he's popping back in. One sec. Oh, okay, we'll perfect. We'll work. get to that. I'll just finish up these as well. Uh, Wild and Blues tonight. Blues at home, ready to finish off the Minnesota Wild if they can get it done. Wild minus 105, Blues minus 112. And as I said, Oilers and Kings. All right, I think we're reconnected with Morgan Barron. So let's welcome in the Manitoba Moose forward and one of the newest members of the Jets organization coming over in the Andrew Cop deal at the deadline. Morgan, what's up? Welcome to a Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, this connection, obviously, Reem, is going to be a yeah, bit of I mean, an it issue. Yeah, was. I'll tell you what. We um, will talk. We're to, a little frustrated. We will talk to the thinker, and maybe we'll do this on the phone in about 10 minutes or so. Um, but Reem, why, why don't we do this? Because we did get a chance to hook up with Matt Savoy uh, just before the uh, the program started. And uh, obviously the ice had a big win last night. And tomorrow we're going to be checking our phones from one rink or the other about what's happening with the Moose or the Winnipeg ice. And it was great to catch up with Savoy as well, both about the big win last night, as well as what's coming up for him in early July as being one of the top draft prospects about his draft year. So we caught up with Matt Savoy just before we started the program. He had a long bus ride last night, got in very early this morning, and uh, the number four ranked skater by Central Scouting joined us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Here's Matt Savoy before the ice looked to move on to the third round tomorrow at the Ice Cave. Matt, what's going on, man? It's great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, first things first, congratulations on the game last night, and thanks for coming on with us today. Uh, what uh, <laughs> what time did you guys get back into the city last night? Yeah, a uh, bit of a bus ride last night overnight. We got in around 5 a.m. this morning, so got a quick nap in, and uh, now on the podcast. Hey, th- that being said, uh, I'm sure the bus ride's a lot better after a win. Um, I mean, you guys had a great start to the series. I'm really barnstorming them uh, with the first two games at home. Uh, but lost game three, big bounce back last night to really take control of the series. Tell us about the games out West. Yeah, uh, definitely some really competitive games in in their barn. Uh, you know, it's a pretty tough barn to play in. So uh, a lot of energy going in, um, you know, didn't really like our effort on on the first game, but uh, really good bounce back from our group. The second game to, to you know, be relentless, show, uh, show that tenacity to come back and uh, win a big game four. Uh, you know, playoff hockey is so interesting. I mean, it's a little different than the regular season. And your regular season, you guys were at the top of the league pretty much throughout. I mean, it was, I imagine at some point you were like, man, let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the, get to win it when it really matters. Um, but you have had, you know, just a couple losses so far. But outside of that, I mean, really dominating performances. I mean, what have, what have you learned about this team? Because let's face it, the one thing that the Winnipeg Ice didn't have coming into uh, this run was playoff experience and uh, most of it due to circumstance with what's happened the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, a great regular season. How are you feeling about the team overall going into game five against Moose Jaw? Yeah, uh, we're definitely, you know, uh, a pretty confident group um, coming into the season. We knew we we had a pretty skilled, deep team. So, um, you know, we knew there was a lot of uh, potential for this year. So, 
you know, every guy's really, really sold out and, you know, put everything on the line to, to make this happen. And, um, you know, everyone's bought in the last uh, few months. So uh, it's been really exciting being with this group, you know, moving forward into playoffs. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of buzz in our dressing room right now. Well, you know, there's a lot of buzz in this city and this province about what you guys have been able to do so far. Um, you know, did you guys, I mean, listen, I know you set goals at the beginning of the season, but this was an extraordinary season for your club. It's certainly on the regular. At what point did you realize that this group has the potential of maybe doing something special? Was it the first day of training camp or did you sort of learn more about it as you guys continue to win and continue to improve throughout the year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, even at the start of training camp, we could we could see the talent we had in, in our dressing room and, um, you know, just the compete level in the training camp and, you know, how, how hard everyone was working. Um, it was really good to see. And then, you know, as the se- season kind of started to move along and we started to form a team and, um, you know, find our identity, I thought, um, you know, we did a really good job of coming together and, um, you know, our team kind of just gelled in in a really good way, and um, it's been been going good ever since. How about your sk- season? I mean, we knew this was a huge season for you with it being your draft year, and we'll get to that. But I mean, uh, overall, I mean, as far as personal goals, team goals, I mean, uh, uh, has this gone has gone about as well as you could have expected it when uh, you got to camp in uh, September? Yeah, it's been uh, been a really good experience here in Winnipeg for me this year. Um, you know, my teammates obviously welcomed me with open arms after being in the USHL last year, and um, you know, it was really good to, to, you know, get back in, in the Western League, get my confidence under me, um, get my legs under me and um, find a little bit of success. You know, I mean, speaking of that, and I guess it sort of relates to the draft as well. You mentioned you played in Dubuque last year. And uh, listen, I mean, it was a brutal situation for anyone in your position. I mean, you know, there wasn't the hockey expected to be playing. You're looking to get games. Tell us about that decision to go down there, how it helped you. And uh, obviously returning to the Western Hockey League, uh, the difference maybe in the, in the two leagues. Yeah, with so with the unknown of the Western League, you know, starting up last year due to COVID, I wanted to, you know, have the chance to play as many games as I could and, you know, get back on the ice. So uh, I thought it was a good opportunity to go down to the USHL um, in uh, in Dubuque there because we had a bit of a relationship with them in the past with my brother getting drafted there. So, um, yeah, they welcomed me with open arms and um, played about 30, 35 games down there, got some really good development in, got a lot of skating in. So, um, coming into this year, you know, was really confident in in my summer and um, in my season last season. So was really just looking forward to getting things going. And I uh, was really excited coming back to Winnipeg this year. This has been, uh, and I think we all knew, I mean, ever since you were on the ice radar a few seasons ago, that at this point, I mean, we'd be talking about your name and, um, you know, you would be in NHL conversations. I mean, the season that you've had, number four in central scouting, um, what's it what's the draft year been like for you because i mean we hear about i mean there's a lot that goes into it there's a lot of pressure i'm sure both personally and around you i mean how have you handled it and um what what has it been like being a top prospect uh going into uh obviously what's your dream and that's to play in the best league in the world yeah it's definitely you know an exciting time um you know like you said it's it's always been my dream to get drafted to the nhl and you know one day play there but um you know f- for this year and um, the back half of the year, especially, I've really just been focusing on the task at hand, keeping um, keeping all the noise to the exterior and, you know, just staying dialed into playoffs, dialed into our team, you know, making sure my attention is where it needs to be. And um, I think that'll really help us in the long run. That can't be easy. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot that's riding on this. Um, and, and listen, I mean, you flourished through it. Who's helped you? I, I mean, I'm sure there's been some guys in the dressing room that have both been drafted, that have been to NHL camps, of course, 
Carson Lambos was a first rounder last year. And you've got a coach, I'm sure, that you can lean on too that knows a thing or two about playing in the National Hockey League. Yeah, uh, guys like Carson and, and McLennan, you know, who drafted in the last year, in the last couple of years, you know, they know what it takes to um, go through the draft process, go through the interviews with the teams. And, um, you know, they kind of knew what to expect. And then obviously, you know, with Jeep, all the experience he has, um, you know, just letting me know uh, just ways to deal with it and, you know, how to handle the, the pressure and um, talking to different teams and, you know, kind of being all over the place at times. So he's been, you know, really good and um, just calming me and geeks down and, you know, making sure we're, we're on the right track. Matthew Savoy, the Winnipeg Ice, is with us. You mentioned geeks. I mean, that is Connor Geeky, who's number five on that list. It must be pretty cool to have a, a close friend, a teammate, going through pretty much many of the same experiences, both with the club and heading into early July in Montreal as well at the same time. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, uh, geeks and I are really close, and we have been for a couple of years now since we got drafted. Um, going through, the ex- through this experience together, um, you know, just having a guy to talk to about it, um, kind of experiencing it all at the same time for the for the first time and um you know both going through the exact same thing having each other there um you know hanging out all day uh just talking about it going through the same schedule it's it's been a blast this year you know with him and um i think you know he's handled it really well and um uh yeah he's he's a really good guy and uh love having him around well, I'm sure you guys will be having some fun in Montreal on the 7th of July. And it's funny enough. And I mean, again, take this for what it's worth. Everyone, you know, we get the draft lottery order and everyone's banging out mock drafts. But um, our friends at The Athletic did one. And the two of you both drafted to the same team in the first round. So wouldn't that be something? I guess the, the main thing when it comes to the draft, and as you mentioned, I mean, you have to really do focus on the task at hand. Um, but I think you realize there's nothing better that can help your prospects for July 7th in Montreal than playing well and having team success. And uh, it seems like you and your Winnipeg Ice teammates are certainly set to do that, hopefully Friday and beyond. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the task at hand right now is um, win every game, you know, at all costs and, um, you know, laying everything out there, you know, given, given that extra effort and, um, you know, just making sure you can do anything to, to get the win at this stage in the year. We've had some, uh, I mean, great atmospheres throughout the year, but especially recently at the Ice Cave. And uh, I expect no different Friday night when you and your teammates look to uh, finish off this series going into the 3-1 thing. Well, what's it been like being back here with the Ice? How much fun have you had this season? And uh, how great has it been seeing the atmosphere build at your home rink as you guys are getting close to uh, your goals? Yeah, it's been a blast being back in Winnipeg, being with, you know, my teammates, my good friends, being in front of the fans obviously is is a blast um you know leading into playoffs uh you know you can just couldn't just feel the buzz and the atmosphere getting louder and um you know you could see it in game one and game two of that first series you know a couple uh pretty much sold out sold out arenas and uh you know they were loud they were into it so definitely gives the gives us some energy and gives us some jump off the hop now, listen, I won't put you in the position of talking about a potential matchup with the Edmonton Oil Kings. We'll leave that to us because there's still work to be done on Friday. Um, but the bigger goals of a WHL championship, of a Memorial Cup, I mean, this team has come, and it's cyclical in junior hockey. And I think you guys knew coming in that there was the opportunity to be a really good team right now. But um, the opportunity and the the possibility, I guess, of being uh, of doing something special and playing a long, long playoff run and potentially getting into that Memorial cup must be uh must be a real driving factor in everything you guys are doing both on and off the ice these days. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we're, we're preparing for, 
um, you know, to be the most successful team we can, um, you know, doing everything we can, whether that's system work, um, dialing in, you know, our positional play, um, you know, just really making sure we're on top of things to be at the best of our game. So, you know, we can we can have the best chance to compete for those those championships. Matt's a voice with us from the Winnipeg guys. I do want to ask you about the team overall because, uh, you know, certainly in the, in the media and, you know, even with fans, I mean, you know, we focus on the guys that are scoring goals and we're talking a lot about you and Geeky who are top NHL prospects and you got Carson Lambos and McLennan. Who are some of the unsung heroes of the Winnipeg ice that have helped you get to here right now that maybe fans haven't heard very much about, but that have been very, very important in helping you guys get to where you are today. Yeah, the definitely, you know, a long list of unsung heroes, guys that, you know, don't get uh, as much credit as they deserve. Uh, I'll just name a, a couple, um, you know, Owen Peterson, a 19 year old. He's been here for three or four years. Um, you know, a guy that can play in all situations. He's been, you know, so special to our team this year. Um, another guy, Jack Finley, we we picked up in, in December. He's played in all situations, been a great leader on our team. So um, those are just, you know, two guys that, uh, stood out for me, you know, that that play a big role, um, whether that's, you know, penalty killing, playing five on five, um, you know, just being solid, solid two way players, um, big bodies, you know, real experienced players. You guys have lit the lamp uh, quite a bit yourselves, but uh, goaltending has been pretty good, too. I mean, uh, Hauser through the playoffs has been awesome. And Gage Alexander had an unbelievable season as well. Yeah, uh, you know, definitely have a lot of confidence in our goalies back there. Um, you know, even in practice, you can see how much they've improved from the start of the year to now. Um, uh, the work ethic of both of them, uh, just, you know, keep getting better, keep battling in the net, uh, just allows us to, you know, have confidence in them back there and, and continue to play our game. Matt, listen, this has been awesome. And again, I, I don't want to get into a potential Edmonton series, and I don't want to get too much into the draft here because we know what really counts to you and your teammates is Friday night at the Ice Cave to hopefully take care of the Moose Jaw Warriors and move on to round three. That being said, there will be a future invite for you to come back to the program, talk about it a little bit more, and uh, hopefully keep the uh, keep the momentum going both for the Winnipeg Ice as well as you going into the NHL draft in a few months. Sounds good. That's awesome. Looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow night. Thank you. All right. Matt Savoy of the Winnipeg Ice. Very impressive young man. That's the first time we'd spoken with Matthew. And uh tell you what, as great of a uh, as great of a player as he has been this year. Pretty awesome interview as well. Um the other thing that stood out was the uh was the look at an NHL level hair game right now. And yes, there was a bit of an uh Interesting resemblance to an old Winnipeg Jet favorite, one Matthew Perot. Um, well, it's Matthew Savoy. We'll be hearing a lot about him throughout this Winnipeg Ice playoff run. Again, game five tomorrow night at the Ice Cave. Go to the Ice website to make sure you've got your tickets for that game if you're planning on heading out. And then hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to Matt, you know, once they get through these playoffs and about uh, the draft where he certainly will be a first-round selection by some member club of the National Hockey League. All right, looks like we're going to get Morgan Barron popping on in just a second. Uh, as we mentioned, great spot to get to the playoffs this evening. Might be Boston Pizza. Jump on those uh, Boston's Wings, Gourmet Pizzas, Ice Cold Schooners, and all the four games in the National Hockey League. Huge games, Game 6 in all series tonight. Uh, and if you're staying at home, check out their game day deals and order online at Boston Pizza. Dot com. Uh, another great option might be to pop by the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Grab yourself a blizzard, jump into one of those steak burgers, uh, and 
if you're looking for an event or not even necessarily an event uh you just basically fire it up order a dq cake and get set up for the weekend as well nick and nikki dq or winnipeg locations dq niverville dq northgate dq polo park and dq saint anne's uh all right i think we have connected with morgan Barron of the manitoba moose morgan can you hear me okay now yeah i got you can you hear me awesome awesome great setup thanks so much for doing this and uh yeah sometimes technology can be a bit of a, a bit of a bust that being said we've come back we're on the right track much like your team was last night after that first period uh what was the feeling in the room after being down to nothing, knowing that despite how well you guys have played in this series, uh, it could have been over last night? Uh, honestly, we were probably a lot calmer than most people would have expected. Uh, I think most teams in that situation, um, pretty quickly, you can instill kind of a sense of panic. But, um, you know, I felt like all series we had played well. Uh, I would say the first period is probably our worst period of the series yesterday. But, um you know, honestly, being down with our backs against the wall like that, and maybe even open this up to just play a little bit more freely and go out and play our hockey. And, and uh, you know, it's funny how when that happens, puck started to find the back of the net. So hopefully we can carry that on and win a couple more games here and move on to the next round. Everybody knew that uh, Cooley was on fire in those first couple of games, stopping, what, uh, 80-some shots against your club to kind of steal those yeah. two wins. Um you got on the board first. I, I, I'll be honest. I was in the stands, and you could feel sort of a collective sigh of relief that the team was back in it. Um, what, was it more than just a goal, though, for your club to get one on a guy that had been so successful against you, knowing what the stakes were and the circumstances were in that second period? Yeah, I mean, just to, to see one go in was definitely good, and I think it kind of gave us a little bit of momentum moving forward. Um but, you know, again, I go back to it. I think we knew all along that it was going to happen eventually. I mean, we've had a lot of great day looks. And, um, you know, as much as he's made some great saves, I think we've made him look good at times as well. Where we just haven't been able to get pucks to the net or haven't necessarily got uh, got enough traffic in front of him. So, um, you know, we, we met this morning as a team. And Coach Morrison kind of talked about, I think, four of the goals we scored, four of the five were, there were significant traffic in front of the net with screen. So, um, you know, it just goes to show, I think, uh, there's always more that we could have done, and we kind of got on the right page last night of just finding ways to, to score. Well, you know, I ask you about, you know, if it was tense or nervous after the first period. I imagine I'm a pretty excited group after the second. Or was it similar? I mean, I, I'm interested in the mindset of a team that has been, I mean, so successful this year, but has also done it with contributions from pretty much everybody up and down the lineup. Yeah, guys were definitely excited just because it kind of felt like we got the ball rolling in the right direction um, for the first time in that series. And that was the first time we held the lead. But, um, you know, guys are pretty quick to kind of calm each other down and, and make sure we knew, you know, we still got another period to play tonight and then uh, two more games to win the series. So um, just to get the momentum going in the right direction was definitely good. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty, pretty textbook win for the way the Moose like to play from last night. I mean, just tons of different goal scorers, guys getting on the sheet in different ways. And, uh, I think that was huge for us to kind of get back to our brand of hockey and, and prove this, prove to ourselves and everyone else watching that it can, it can be successful in the playoffs. Morgan Barron's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And Morgan, as I mentioned, you know, at the beginning of the program, we had a, an opportunity to speak with you earlier after you'd come to the organization and were assigned to the Moose. And uh, right before we were about to do it, you were on a plane to New York to make your Winnipeg Jet debut in the National Hockey League. So you got a chance to play a couple games before coming up to the Jets. You've been back with the club after being resent down. Um, 
Well, we'll talk about the NHL time in a minute, but I mean, what stands out about this Moose Club to you? And uh, um, how much are you enjoying being back with your old running mate at Cornell, Jeff Mallott, who was also a big part of last night's game? Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. Um, you know, I think the Moose team in particular, uh, it just stands out to me in that there's not necessarily any, any one player, uh, you know, who contributes statistically at least uh, more than than others I think you look up and down the lineup and, and there's tons of different guys who who seemingly have, have scored the same number of points as guys who are getting on the score sheet on different nights and, and all that I know I followed the team loosely before the trade just because Jeff had, had been on the team um, and I, I was often checking in to see how he was doing and just see how deep a team it was how many guys are contributing um, you know night in night out and and to be able to do that in the playoffs means you know we're rolling all four lines playing all our D and, and uh, you know I think that's kind of what brings the successful team uh, deep in the playoff run. So I think we're kind of trying to do that. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's been great to kind of rekindle with Jeff and, and spend a little bit of time with him and obviously see why he's been so, so successful on the ice and signing with Winnipeg. Well, I can tell you he's a beauty and a big favorite of ours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk as well as the listeners. He's joined us on a couple of times and actually going into the playoffs, he jumped on last week and you talked a little bit about your relationship as well as the conversation he had with you once you got traded. Uh, fill us in on the background with you and Jeff from your college days and uh, how um, what your feeling was coming to Winnipeg, knowing that you'd be playing with one of your old running mates as a pro. Yeah, I mean, me, Jeff and I always got along really well in college. I think our teams at Cornell were, were always particularly close, but um, you know, I li- lived on campus with some of the other freshmen my freshman year and Jeff was a year above me, so uh, he did a great job just kind of taking us in and, uh, you know, just teaching us, teaching us the ropes at school. And then uh, my sophomore and junior year, I was at school with him and lived right down the hall from him in, in our hockey house. So I uh, spent a ton of time with him. Uh, obviously, some really fond memories. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's a very special person, as I'm sure you guys know. He, he's got uh, one of the brightest personalities of anyone I know. So just to have him around, I mean, first initial reactions after getting traded, I think he, he's such a great guy to – kind of uh you know build a bridge for me to get to meet all these new teammates and um you know just to see him and and kind of have him to help introduce me to everyone and help me get settled i mean that helped immensely right off the bat i know i met the team at the end of um the tail end of their i think it was like a 14-day road trip and um you know right away jeff brought me and brought me up to dinner with probably a dozen guys and that was my first time meeting a lot of them so just to have him uh you know help me along the way i think it's gone a really long way which has been great yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, if you know a familiar face in a room when you get traded, especially being traded for the first time, it's got to help. I mean, did you have any idea that there was a possibility you might be involved in a deal at the deadline? And uh, take us back. I mean, what do you remember about being traded for the first time in your pro career? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I suppose I knew it was a possibility given that, um, you know, I think it was uh, an expectation for New York to make a few moves at the deadline. But um, you know, I wouldn't say I was expecting it any more than, than, you know, any prospect on the team looking to make moves. I think uh, it definitely caught me off guard a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was shocking for the first a little bit. And um, once I kind of got over that, I think getting on the plane the next day to come meet the team was that's when things kind of really started to turn for me in terms of, you know, seeing that there's probably – um, you know, a bright side to this, and, and as things went along, I think I've kind of realized how great great things are here, and, and uh, you know, just getting a fresh opportunity in a new organization has been awesome for me, and I think looking back on it, um, you know, it's awesome that it happened for me. I couldn't be, couldn't be happier to be here and be a part of this organization moving forward, so 
definitely a whirlwind and, and hopefully uh, not something I have to deal with again anytime soon. But, um, you know, I think it, it's definitely worked out for the best for me so far. You know, it, it seemed like, uh, I mean, we kind of joke sometimes about the Winnipeg sports talk bump where uh, we'll get a guy on the program and I'll have a big game afterwards. I and mean, we just simply booked you and you got called up to the National Hockey League. We won't take any credit for that, but in all seriousness, um, I mean, you did get a great opportunity very early in your time here to get up into the National Hockey League with your new club. How did that go for you and uh, how important was that experience for you in this new organization to get a taste of the NHL with the new club? Yeah, it was good. I mean, um, pretty quickly after the trade, I know I looked at the move schedule and looked at the jet schedule as well. And, um, you know, that was a goal of mine was to get up and be able to prove myself. I, I feel like I'm at a point in my my development and my career where, you know, I can be, um, you know, a real good player in the NHL on a, on a nightly basis. So um, it was definitely reassuring to get that call when time came. And, um, you know, I, I was able to get in all the games while I was up there and play. And, you know, generally speaking, I was pretty happy with my play while I was up there. And, and obviously things didn't work out quite the way we wanted to uh, for the Jets. I mean, ideally, I'd like to be on a playoff run with that team right now. Um, but, you know, things came, came up a little short. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I think teams in a great place moving forward. And, and for me to get in and get that experience and get my feet wet a little bit, I think that was awesome for me. Yeah, I'd imagine it'll be helpful getting into training camp as well, knowing some of the players and, and you know, just having that experience. That being said, right now it's about extending the season. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the confidence that the Moose had going in despite the uh, despite the situation that you were facing coming in. Uh, you will have a home crowd. I imagine even a bigger crowd going into the weekend on Friday. Um, is it just a matter of um, ext- continuing to do what you did in the second and third periods yesterday? And maybe fill us in a little bit. You mentioned that the coach is going through some video today. How did things go today after today after last night's win and heading into tomorrow? Yeah, I think more of the same would be good for us. Um, I think kind of, you know, our mentality even before the playoffs was just kind of coming in and, and win, lose, tie, whatever, just going in and continuing to play our same game. Um, and I think that was big for us after those first two losses. We've easily been pretty rattled and changed our game a lot. But um, I think we stuck to it, made some minor adjustments, and found a way to score a few more goals. So um, uh, I'd like to see us repeat those those performances from the second and third period this there's definitely still things that we could do better, but um, generally speaking, I think it, it's been a good uh, good adjustment since coming home from Milwaukee. And if we can continue playing like that, I, there's no doubt in my mind we'll be the team moving on. You know, I, I got to ask you just from a personal level is, I mean, hockey players live to play in the postseason in the playoffs, and and mm-hmm. we haven't had AHL playoffs the last couple of years. I know the NCAA was impacted in a big way. I mean. When was the last time you were in playoff games and just how special was it from a competitor standpoint to actually be able to get back out and have the opportunity to compete for a cup? Yeah. Uh, for me, the last time would have been, I suppose, for because uh, our season got canceled right as we were getting into playoffs my uh, junior year at Cornell. So uh, it would have been my sophomore year at Cornell and playing in the NCAA. So, yeah, it's, it's been a while now. Um that's three years ago. So uh, just to get a chance to come in and, and play, play in a playoff run, it's definitely exciting for everybody in the room. I know if you, if you look, uh, I was reading something in the stat book before the game yesterday that they give us in, in the dressing room, and it was just showing um, just the different experiences guys have had in playoffs and very inexperienced roster for us and for Milwaukee just because those seasons have been canceled. So um, a lot of guys who are just kind of getting a few wet left myself and, and playing their first professional playoff series and, um, I, I think it would be good. I mean, 
obviously want to go on as deep a run as possible. I think the deeper you go, the better the experience is. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a nice change as well from coming from college to have the single knockout to get back to playing, you know, full on series and get a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth playing the same opponent over and over. So it's been a lot of fun so far. Well, and we certainly saw some of that last night. I imagine that will continue into a Friday's game four and hopefully Sunday afternoon, which would be a deciding game five if the Moose can get the win tomorrow afternoon. You know, before we go, Morgan, I'd love to get your perspective on the team and some of your teammates. I mean, there's a lot of Jet fans that you know, live and die with the big club throughout the year that maybe are paying more attention right now to the Moose. We have seen a number of players, especially on the blue line, get their first taste of NHL action. What do you make of the team overall? Are there any players that have sort of really opened your eyes as teammates since you've been with Manitoba? Uh, I mean, I could probably pick out 10, 10 to 15 different guys for you. It's such a deep group. And, um, you know, coming over and then seeing all the different guys who have got a taste of the NHL this year has been awesome. I know, um, it's just, I mean, like Sammy, Dylan Samberg was the guy who was up most of the time I was there. So I've kind of been along the ride with him and, and got to play some games with him. And I think he, especially at the NHL level, you can see how, how seamless the transition was for him. And like I said, I can go up and down the roster and name a ton of different guys. I mean, he, he's probably one of six out just because I've, I've seen him play at both levels and can see how good a player he is. Um, but it, again, like, the roster with the Moose is so deep, and, and I think that's probably one of the benefits for our team. We have so many guys who um, who, are, who are real productive at the AHL level, and I'm sure eventually um, a bunch of us will hopefully end up in the NHL as well. So uh, it's definitely an exciting roster to be a part of. No doubt about that. Well, I guess the main thing right now is to get that win tomorrow, push it to a Game 5, and hopefully continue this playoff run, and then start thinking about Round 2, hopefully. But We'll focus in on tomorrow night. It should be it should be a great crowd. I know folks are fired up for it. Um, and listen, congratulations to you on the great stint with the Winnipeg Jets. It's great to have you here with the organization. Hopefully, this is the first of many visits, and uh, we'll work on the tech next time a little better. But we appreciate the patience. Thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck to you and your teammates tomorrow night. Fingers crossed. We'll be talking about two big wins over the next few days, and then another series beginning some point next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for having. Thanks for uh, coming on. There's Morgan Barron of the Manitoba Moose, of course, got a call up to the Winnipeg Jets at the end of the season. and was really a key piece in that Rangers trade with Andrew Kopp going to Broadway. Morgan Barron and a couple second round picks. Appreciate him and the patience to get on. Great to have him on. Uh, you know, and Matt Savoy as well. Um, you know, I mean, listen, it's going to be a tough decision tomorrow for Winnipeg hockey fans as to where they're going to be. And not to mention, we have got to uh, Goldeye's home opener as well. So govern yourselves accordingly. But tomorrow is no night to be sitting on the couch or staying at home. Figure out where you're going to go to get a ticket and sign up. I'll be, I think, downtown watching the Moose see if they can extend this series to a fifth and deciding game. All right, we do have to get to a couple more things before the end of the show. Um, hey, Assiniboia Downs, as I was mentioning, they had to move the opening day back to May 31st. But end of the month, it will be time to horse around again. Live racing, May 31st, 7.30 p.m. is back with no restrictions in the return of ASD's famous prime rib buffet. The season will again feature larger wagering pools, setting up the chance for a big score. Every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. will be live racing. You can watch and wager on Canada's largest legal horse racing wagering site at hpibet.com. Uh, a couple Canadian club and ginger rails on tap for this weekend. Uh, it'll be a great patio drink this year. 
of course, if you're staying inside, you can always mix one yourself. But uh, I think it's going to be a lot of folks grabbing a cooler, popping by the beer store, grabbing a six-pack in cans of the Rated During Canadian Club Cooler is one of the real drinks of the summer. Pop by and check them out at any of your local Manitoba liquor marts, the Canadian Club display in 26 of them. You get a free can all month long with the purchase of any Canadian Club product. All right, as I mentioned, kind of got into the cool bet lines before, uh, but you know, was going back and forth with Morgan to get them on. If you missed it before, four big games, four game sixes tonight. The Hurricanes, the Maple Leafs, the Blues, and the Kings can all move on. Let's get Remus back in here. We talked about the odds. Again, if you want to bet at cool bet, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Remo. Who's ending tonight and who's going to game seven on Saturday? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if three of these series ended up going to seven. Okay, I'll give you mine. Kings finishing off the Oilers nurse out. I think that that's not good for them. They're at home. I like the Kings. I did full disclosure, I did wear a Kings hat on the show yesterday. Um I think Blues Wild, that's going to game seven. Cam Talbot is starting a net for the Wild. Their road, actually, it's pretty even, minus 105, minus 112, so pretty even in that one. And uh, I think Lightning and, and Leafs, I think that's going to game seven. And Carolina's going, they're done. They're finishing off Boston. Uh, All right, so the Remo Parlay, if you want to get the Remo Parlay, I might get a touch ooh. on this, see how you think. We've got, yeah. it's a great one. Kings plus 112, Wild minus 105, Lightning minus 132, Canes plus 104, plus 1384 just about a 14 to 1 parlay hey, that's actually not bad i don't no, mind that it's not bad at all pretty good i think i I'll might have to throw down on this now i'm kind of convinced as i said you've got a great spot you know throw 10 in on there 10 bucks and sure, uh, we'll pay 150 pay 148 148.4 got a I'll little have... extra scratch from those live bets on the flames last night what an awesome third period they had and i'll say this about calgary the place sounded like a bloody morgue for a majority of the game as they were down one nothing. And I think the Dallas Stars get a lot of credit to that. But man, what a turnaround. And it was all Andrew Mangiapane last night. That beautiful setup to Backland. He scored as well uh, to go up. And in addition to what was happening inside the building, what a scene outside the building, Reem, with about 10,000 Flames fans all in one big lot partying like they just won the cup last night after uh, getting that big game five win. Yeah, well, look, I think Flames fans thought they were going to roll over Dallas like Colorado did to Nashville, but it wasn't that way in the first couple of periods, so you're pretty nervous. And uh, and they you know came out in the third and scored two. I mean, what a beautiful go-ahead goal, game winner from Mangiapane. What a shot. And then it was uh, ex-Jet Trevor Lewis putting home the empty netter. And I think this is the worst part about the Jets not being in the playoffs, not you know how disappointing season it was that we had to watch, but just seeing 10,000 people watching the game at once outside in Calgary, you got a lot of FOMO, uh, you know, fear of missing out. We don't have that here with the Jets, and it makes me really sad, and I think about what great times we had at the whiteout parties, and hopefully we can get back, get back to that. But you saw Trevor Lewis score the empty netter. We're talking about Jacob Truba. My dad mentioned you can make an all-ex-Jet line for the Stanley Cup playoffs here. You got Lewis with Kopp and Kane and Kulikov and Truba on Cooley. D. It's Kulikov on Minnesota. I'm trying to think who else. I don't know if there's... You know, oh, Hutchinson. Isn't he 
Isn't he with Minnesota or with Toronto? He's like yeah. on the Marlins. He's like their fourth <laughs> or fifth goalie. Hutchinson. There, there you go. That's the X X Jet playoff team. If you're looking for someone to cheer for. Well, I'll tell you what. I think the teams to cheer for right now are the Moose and the Ice. Home games tomorrow. Uh, we'll get ready for it. And, of course, we'll also get ready for opening day for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes tomorrow. A great show and great job by Remo navigating a few technical challenges. Oh. Pulled off something. To get Morgan Barron on the phone the way we did that was uh, was a first. And uh, we won't get into how it all worked, but some incredible well, technical work behind the scenes we've by the had, CTO today. We've okay, I'll do I'll do a bit behind the scenes. We got although I do have to edit the podcast now because because yes, of all that. That would be good. That would be good. Oh yeah, Lemieux's on LA. There you go. Miller Time says Lemieux. It's your boy Bruce giving a shout out to Derek Forbort on Boston. And Justin, Nate Beaulieu, as uh, oh, DA yeah. mentioned, he <laughs> has been activated. I don't think he's been in a game, but he is active and uh, able to go if they need him. And Justin F says, for, Trevor Lewis, a Jet, barely. I was like, what do you mean? He played was on their team all of last year. You play one season, doesn't make you, doesn't make you a Jet? This is his last team. Yeah, this is literally last on the team last year. 56 games. Yeah, we had, uh, we had issues during the show. I kept uh, disconnecting from YouTube. That won't show up on the podcast. And then, yeah, I had to set up a mixer, test it out with my dad. Thanks, dad, uh, during that pre-tape. Meanwhile, I was so fired up about that, I ended the pre-tape like 30 seconds early. So if you were in the YouTube wondering about the Matt Savoy interview, what you missed, it was like, it was just saying goodbye, basically. Yeah. So, no, Matt Savoy was great. He's coming back on the program. Mm -hmm. He's already a WST oh. favorite. Really, really impressed with him on the ice. And it was great to have him on the show for the first time today. Yeah. Oh, we got ex-jet coaches. Yeah, Rick Bonus as coach. Maybe Scott Arneal, assistant coach. He's with he's with Washington. Caps. We got a whole. We got we got a whole ex-jet. Oh, Bogo on Tampa. There you go, man. There was so many. I remember the days where you know if you were done on the Jets in 2011, you were on you were out of the league. Now they yeah. seem to be going, going having success Europe. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going on spitting chicklets like uh, Tim Stapleton, who by the way is getting back in the podcast game. We'll have mm -hmm. to get Blue Three on the show at some point very soon um anyways we will get this up because we do got to get the podcast uh, going for folks uh who are listening to it on the audio feed on the drive home uh thanks to shane malloy for joining us always fun kicking it with brandon rewicki and of course matt savoy the winnipeg ice game five tomorrow they can finish off the moose jaw warriors and move on to round three and a big thanks to morgan Barron of the manitoba moose game four tomorrow canada life center and uh, we'll have, uh, we'll, you know, make sure you join us tomorrow. We'll be doing a marble race, and I'll see whether we might have a pair of tickets as well for tomorrow's game uh, to give away maybe some ice seats too. Uh, and of course, Gold Eye season tomorrow. We'll hook up with Andrew Collier, maybe get Rick Forney on in the next few days to talk about baseball season being back. And yes, I will get there on the weekend. We will have a full report on the beer bats, concessions, and everything else happening at the ballpark this year. Um, thanks to all the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day. Thanks to all of you. We'll be back tomorrow for a big show. Ken Weeb's going to join us. We'll set up Ice Game 5. We'll set up Moose Game 4, Gold Eye Season, and all the follow from tonight. Four Game 6s in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's going to be awesome, gang. Thanks for doing this. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow to finish off a big week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We're out. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.
Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.